You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Water slide world, I'm really crazy about your wild slides. Wild, you bet. Water slide world, the number one in family fun. Fun, you bet. Come on, a baby, gonna slide, slide, slide. Come on, a baby, gonna glide, glide, glide. Come on, a baby, gonna slide, slide, slide. Exit 21 off the Northway, I-87, one half mile south of Lake George Village. Welcome to Axe to Grind. It's a hardcore podcast. Here we go. Uh, I'm Bob, and joining me today, special surprise episode, is... Um, my name is Hans. Uh, <laughs> my name is Andrew. <laughs> Thanks for joining me today, guys. Appreciate it. No problem. Uh, big shout out to our sponsors, To Live a Lie Records, Closed Casket Activities, Death Wish Inc., and Run for Cover. Enter the promo code Axe to Grind. You got to spell it out. Get a discount. Go support the record labels. I just followed Justin Loudon wow. on Instagram nine minutes before you got here. Oh yeah, I'm very excited to see I was what his ta- life is like. I was talking to him on the phone nine minutes before we oh, I got you here. You should come over. Wow. Just I didn't tell him I was coming um, this way. Probably he's probably he's smart. on he's on full isolation. Oh, that oh. also sounds like Weak. the Justin Loudon that I know. Yes, Weak. sitting in his house like. Waiting for it to pop off. It's fun. He's doing a band named Full Isolation right now. Oh, that sounds that's that's, cool. that's too real. Too real. <laughs> Where um, are all the hardcore bands doing uh, uh, quarantine concerts? Yo, so so one did the band Code Orange, and they did. Um, well, it, it was like, like it wasn't like a home. It wasn't no. like they were in the living room. <laughs> I was but say, it was more like WrestleMania. Wrestling? Yeah, right. Yeah, like there's yeah. a certain point where we yeah. can say the cutoff has been reached. On correct. That. Yeah. Correct. They they had full production and like yeah. okay. videos overlaid. Cool. Well, <laughs> okay. All right. But what happens? Okay. Right. We get it. What happens is hardcore bands then emulate, and it's like, oh, you're not that no. interesting to watch mm. playing in your I living need room. To see that. You know what though? When I was a kid, I used to like I had like somebody made me a video of all these bands playing in the wrpi studio which is a room much like this but sadder um and it was just like like nonsense it was just a stationary camera with bands playing to four people and i was transfixed i couldn't get enough of i remember that, that. it was so, like locals right yeah. yeah it was all locals yo were you guys video guys because i was i would watch a couple but it never i couldn't i couldn't sit through a whole set watching live. no i i would uh, well I, I, like on a video, it's tough. I pioneered oh, the the thing everyone does now, where they're just on their iPhone when they watch something. So like, I would just turn a video on and then go about my day and like be like oi polloi at fucking WRPI, which would be playing in the background. So yeah, kind of. Okay. There was this guy locally who would videotape all the shows, and then I'd borrow his tapes, quote unquote, borrow them and never give them back. <laughs> and I loved them because not only could I see the band, I, I was like, it's so cool that I could relive it. I was like, I remembered, and then I could yeah. see. I would, but then, and because hardcore makes your brain so weird, I would also see how I looked. Oh, and if I was, oh. and if I looked like, this was a little bit later than then, <laughs> and I would see, oh, I shouldn't wear that track jacket. Yeah, orange yeah. isn't that color. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I know I reached out with that red, white, and blue track jacket, but it's not does not look good. It was like a test, and then you you kind of failed the test when you oh, saw yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There was a lot of there was a lot of hubris. That's been worse out. as I've gotten older. There was oh, a moment yeah. when I was like twenty four, and it was the first time in my life where I gained any weight. Right. And I was like, because I was like a, a waif, I was super thin, and there was a, like some photo at a show, and I was like stage diving or something. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm oh, no. fat. Oh, no. My fucking yeah. fat is sticking out from my goddamn T-shirt. So uh, that was <laughs> like a, a bad moment. 
Um, yo, so ostensibly you guys host the podcast Overnight Drive. Correct. Yes. I've gotten the opportunity, very lucky, to know you guys, uh, toured with End of Year a little bit, worked with you guys with that shit. Um, I think Overnight Drive's the best podcast. I agree wow. with this. Thank you. Yes. You're welcome. Yes, 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 yes. For those of you who think Axe Grind is the best podcast, I'm with you too. That's mm. cool. I mm. appreciate you. But right. I feel like you get it. You don't have to say you that. You got a very narrow interest. But I just that's want, well, case. that's the kind of the thing is that you guys touch on hardcore a, a good amount, but you like tease it out. We touch on the back door of hardcore. Yeah, no, we're not like we're not like uh, we're the, the ones the back door tickler of yeah. uh, hardcore. We're we're uh, standing on the stage looking down at everybody. Right, right, right. Or or like behind amps, something like yeah, that. We're so. A, yeah, we're in the back. We've standing paid our- in the position that the guy with the camera really wants to get in. Exactly. But we're not moving. We've paid our dues, yeah. mm. and we deserve, and we've earned the right to be shitheads about everything. Which is which is nice. But I also know <laughs> y'all both like music a lot, so it's it's fun to to have you guys do this. Absolutely. Um, so let me let me just kind of dive in here. I think the easiest intro to this is talking about like what you guys got into hardcore where where not like don't give me your fucking history of it but like why did you get into hardcore or punk music like why i've never i've talked to you guys about music a lot but never why this was how did you get pulled into that i have the exact reason why um (laughs) this is a high school story that's gonna sound really about it believe me there's a point to it uh there was this dude named joe whose parents were jehovah's witnesses and made him get rid of all his tapes and this was when I was in high school playing football. And it gave me, like, it was like a lot of Ramones tapes. And then it was um, uh, Youth of Today, We're Not in This Alone. Mm-hmm. And I thought all the Ramones, kind oh, of, it's all right, you know. And then I listened to this. And it was, like, really not good. Not good. Right. Like, not was, good music, right. Because <laughs> I'm used to listening to, I listened to metal. And, like, for me, like, Pantera was too heavy. And I was just sort of, like, I just really like, and it's, to this day, I just really like, music that doesn't hurt my ears but i listened to this and for some reason i really liked listening to it when i ran because mm-hmm. i liked to keep my wind up because i thought i was good at football um and i just fell in love with it and i listened to it all the time and then i went to community college where i was able to use the internet oh <laughs> oh boy and i looked it up and i found like the victory records message board and i found yeah. like all different kinds of stuff and that's sort of like immediately exploded my worldview as far as hardcore goes i'm like oh people like I, when you're listening to metal in a small town, you think that the, you're like the only people on earth. Oh, like, hell yeah! Like yeah, me and my yeah. group of friends are the only people that know about this shit ever. And I know that there's a lot of people at this concert I went to, but we know better than anybody. And then I, I found like people from all over the fucking world who liked it, and um, that begun my like taking buses to see people's faces right. and shit yeah, like yeah. that. And like a, a lot of immediately a lot of bad hardcore trappings. So happened. like something I don't think anyone, it's almost like people aren't willing to admit it to themselves, but I, I feel like hardcore ends up being a draw just like that. Like this weird lonely kid, weird kid thing where you oh, realize yeah. like, Oh, I can meet, I'm going to, I'm going to meet people. Holy it's like a shit. hack. It's like, oh, I don't have yeah. to figure out how to actually talk to people because I got this like worked out. Like I got the side door. Right. Yeah. And that ends up being kind of detrimental yeah. at some point yeah, later. Very much. Yeah. Definitely. But, but uh, you know, it ends up coalescing for a while and giving you this sense of like, well, I, I'm a fucking dork at high school or I don't get along or I'm just weird. Oh. But it's cool. I got yeah. this other thing. I would. I would. And that was the gateway drug to like reading Rollins books <laughs> and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> you know, like, and it was, it was weird to see like because i didn't have a lot of friends like i was metal 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 and then like i had a weird um 
like a year and a half where I hung out in my hometown. I went to community college, whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, I just want to do music because I was like, I got scouted for football and I could have went to college on a partial scholarship, but I was like, forget it. Who cares? Cause music, so yeah. music, I was like really into like being part of the local music scene. Yeah. That, that, that was a, the death metal band skinless was from my hometown. And I was like part of their crew it was like maybe the, arguably the first like crew of boys. I was, yeah, I was, okay. I was like with, with, they were very, they were very strange people. They're very weird people. Yes. <laughs> they were yes. very like, very, really weird. And, um, then I was like, it was totally like, I could see, like, if I look back now, I could see like where it was steering me to like a lot of good and bad decisions. And like, I would end up spending like working to save money to buy music and like yeah. ingesting all of this, like Fugazi, like I really got into Fugazi and then I ended up seeing them like 20 times or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. A big brag there. I ended up seeing them like 20 times. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, it was, um, well, you, I mean, that's the thing. There's a point for a lot of young people you get in and you're, you're all of a sudden without knowing it, your life is being controlled by decisions to do the shit. Like I used to think about like, all right, I'm going to work this shit job at the McDonald's at Walmart yeah. so I can have enough money that every two weeks I can go and blow literally all of it at a record store an hour away that I yeah. begged, borrowed, and stole my way into a ride to, you know? That's the thing. But it also when I, yeah, exactly. And then when, and I, I'm sure Andrew was part of this because he was in, like, in more like the punk side. Oh, yeah. And I, I met people who I thought, like, because back then you would dress your music. Yeah. yeah. Like you would really dress your music. Like right up to like maybe like 2010, people you would like know if somebody was in the hardcore. You would know if somebody's in the punk. Now it's just like whatever. Yeah, no, I can't. You can't discern. <laughs> that was like one of the things where, like, I would, you know, going to community college, whatever. I would see other people who would be like really into visual cue. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. you got this fucking shirt, or you're dressed like that. Just yeah. you're dressed like that. You got khakis and a plain shirt on. You're probably into Fugazi, right? <laughs> Precisely. Or you're like really big, size forty two leg Jankos, and you're like a <laughs> like a hoodie or something. This is like, yo, well, did I see you at the All Out War show? Right, exactly. But not even that. That was like way. Like I was sort of just like dipping my toe in a lot of different lakes as far as like i would it's like i would talk to a girl and then she would be into the dead kennedys and i was like well i don't is this bad or do i not get it like that kind of thing <laughs> and that's been like my kind of a constant with like basically a litmus test of like all hardcore music like is this really bad or do i not am get i it? just missing something yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like and i i didn't know and i was immediately like well what i know is that punk is like get the fuck out of my way and hardcore is like, you're not allowed to stand in my way. Oh. And that's the difference. And yeah. as a young that's person. That's the definition, right? Yeah. We're laying it down. Exactly. And then as a young person, I was like, I really liked being told what to do mm. and having guidance. Because mm. my, my parents. Also as an adult, you love being told what to do. I do. No, <laughs> it's <exactly. favorite> thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really do love it. I love being told what to say and what to do. It's the best. <laughs> uh, but no, at the time it was perfect because you would you definitely are a lot of people who you know it was like heading toward the end of the 90s and it was people were very it was like a, everybody started starting to sort of circle the drain at once becoming 90s victims and like all the dreams they had in the beginning of the decade were sort of failing and people were like well, i guess i'll start a public access tv show or blah, 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 you know like all that shit yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> like or like I, i'm gonna open a studio in my parents basement like all these like fanciful fucking dreams are like dying and before their eyes and like and so the, the, I needed the structure of hardcore music, like how 
and like where I found it was in bands like Biohazard, like readily accessible, yeah, like like entry level, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Biohazard, Life of Agony, like bands like that, you know, like, um, and it was I didn't I wasn't smart enough to know it was lame to like that stuff, right? And and some people would be like, it's not. Some people just clicked in their heads, are like, it's not lame to like that music, but. I knew coming down the road was somebody telling me it was lame to like that band and you should hear this instead. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I didn't know, so I would wear like a blaze orange biohazard shirt. <laughs> but also, so I became like a weird fucking hybrid. Yeah. A blaze orange biohazard shirt, shaved head, big wallet chain, brown <laughs> pants like a Fugazi fan, mm-hmm. combat boots. And I was just sort of like, I'm ready for anyone. Like, I'm ready for anything. Talk to me about any band. If it's la- talk to me about any loud band. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally right. I got, I'm, I got I'm, the I'm there for I'm cornered. Like, I owned, like, Shelter Chant tapes. Oh, that's, like, uh, that's not listed on the EVR catalog. But no. that's, one of, like, the, one of the first five EVR records. It's, yeah, it's in the vault. Yeah, Lama, Lama the Om, Vishnu Padaya, like, that, that stuff. I was with that because I hung out with a girl who was originally from Salt Lake City and was into, like, Judge and shit. <laughs> so suddenly, You're thrust in. into that life. But I was like, oh, this is very good. Like I was just <laughs> Maybe you didn't get it. <laughs> I didn't get it. No, Andrew, so where's your... Why, why did you get into punk music? Uh, well, all right. So I grew up on Long Island. Long Island. <laughs> uh, on Long Island. And I just before... Like when you're like 12 is when your formative years really start. That's where like culture starts to like hit you. Agree. Just before that, uh, we my family moved upstate to where there was just nothing going on. So I didn't have anything to imprint on me. Like, I I should, by all rights, just be, like, a hunter who owns a four-wheeler is, is really, like, where I should have landed. You're pretty close. I, I'm, I'm, I've gotten there a little bit. <laughs> I, I'm, like, uh, when I was 12 is when I moved from Latham down to Brick, New Jersey. Mm. I forgot you lived up here. Yeah, I lived wow. in Latham. Yeah. Um, and so that that's always... And then, basically, for a full year, I had, like such limited social contact yeah for real it's and crazy. i i think about how former because i was like i was literally on the track to be like yo varsity lacrosse at shaker high <laughs> same <laughs> yeah. exact same. like that was that was the track i was on the fucking track and i'm like yeah. managing I, golden corral just fucking just <laughs> yeah. doing your best living life uh yeah. and i think about that and i'm like i think about the music i liked before that and how it changed when I moved and didn't have any friends or social contact essentially mm-hmm. for a year. Like I remember actively going to hang out with people who was like, yo, this dude, Paul sucks. This yeah. dude sucks, but he's kind of <laughs> nice to me. So like, I'll take it, I guess. Oh, you yes. know what I mean? And, uh, and it was like then meeting some weird punk kids, hardcore yeah. kids that I was like, Oh, these guys are kind of nice to me too. And oh, what's this music? Oh, some of this is really bad. Some of this is stuff. That <laughs> yeah, is, it's like kind of like I'm 14 and I'm going from listening to like classic rock and alt rock and like grunge ostensibly mm-hmm. like and then like going to hardcore and there were a couple classes. So I was like, oh, OK, like the bad brains don't suck. This doesn't yeah. suck. But there were other bands that I was like, the local bands were not 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 good. Donuts. <laughs> See, I didn't hear any of the victory catalog just because of the, the entry point, like yeah, where I true. got in. Because yeah. I, I think I think about that up here because all the conversations we have with Patrick, he hates like late eighties hardcore because the people who were around him who liked it were dickheads. 
That's very felt. true. Felt. Yeah. Right. And I tell him. Around here, definitely. Yeah. Well, that's what I tell him. I'm like, yo, like, it's almost like he's triggered by that conversation. It's because it's, by the time we all started going to shows and getting into music, those dudes were feeling very insecure that this new scene that everybody loved the music and people went off like crazy. And then they would have like these dudes who like rode dirt bikes and were fucking yeah. like on drugs <laughs> and shit. Like literally right, like yeah. scary dudes. Like rode dirt bikes on drugs would bring their fucking weird like wives to the shows and shit and like oh, what the fuck and like in fights with people like we didn't want any of that right and they were assholes to us like but we were kids yeah you know i mean, I like, mean it was like they were like literally trying to get in fights with us just out of the frustration of like we should have been on this fucking show it's a big show oh, like, oh what the God. fuck and it was like like we didn't know how to handle that nobody right. knew how to handle that it was like i can remember like the the one summer it was just like the iron against iron like clash like no one came to this fucking show then tonight we got a fucking packed show people can't fucking get it <laughs> it's like it was really just like and it's the fucking club right across the street that nobody goes to like like yeah. It meant so much, but at the end of the day, it didn't mean anything. Right. But it was like, but you remember, you even remember. I was going to say that I can illustrate this perfectly and that all those guys who wanted to beat everyone up who was like younger were getting into this shit. Yeah. I vividly recall Marilyn Manson played over there. Right. The first tour after that big record came out, before it even got big, it was just like, it was like the first month after it dropped. And all those dudes were there watching Marilyn Manson in a room as big as this. Like, that is the kind of confused we're talking about. It's yeah. just like a fully uh, like out-of-touch scene. And then, like, a, a band, like, say, like, Sam Black Church would play. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God, yes. Who, were, uh, who I example. thought were great. Right. They were, did something a little bit different than everybody else. Mm-hmm. In that they weren't particularly good at what they did. But people, it was endearing, you know, like... They they would they were had friends of the old scene, but the people in the new scene really loved him. So they'd have yeah. fans, and they have friends, and no one would get along. Like yeah, this, the pit was like extra dangerous. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I remember we'll, getting knocked. We'll out. get into the, the yeah, like oh, yeah. the weird clash of scenes too, yeah. because that like. The fact that there were so many old men who were just like, just wanted to break your nose, just to break it. And in retrospect, they're really? probably like 35. Oh, yeah. Like, my God. Absolutely. But they looked very old. They looked very when old. They would and have they like were the fucking, very drywallers. You know, they were just oh, very scary and they people. They would be all jacked and they'd have like the weird like handcuff chain neck yeah. tattoo <laughs> and shit. Oh, my. Well, so, yo, it's, it's okay. This is good perspective to, to pause for a second because I want to get back to that. Yo, when you're 18 or 19, a 35-year-old might as well be 70. Yeah. Holy shit. Might as well. Terrifying. Right now. Smoking cigarettes and shit. Yeah. Really scary. When you're that age, you're like, what? Who, yeah, who is this? They're closer <laughs> to my dad's age than my age. Um, that That's something that goes on right now is because basically a lot of people who are in the hardcore mm. just kind of like stayed around and like, well, it's cool. I'll still go to show. Mm-hmm. And like, yo, it's fine. Yeah. I, I'm into it. Like, shout out listeners who were there. But remember that, and remember that feeling of being a fucking 18-year-old, and what it's like if you walk into a VFW hall, and there's a bunch of 35-year-olds around, you look like, did I go to the wrong area? <laughs> like, is this where the show is, or is it the bar? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, earlier today, um, a friend of ours, uh, Mark Telfian, who was in, like, Hail Mary and whatnot, yeah. posted a photo of, I think it was Rabies at the Greyhound station in Albany, and it's, oh, like, wow. Rabies with, like, some woman. And just to be a dick, <laughs> I wrote, I responded, and I said, that's my mom. <laughs> and he wrote back, and he was like, wait, really? Because I knew her. And I'm like, no, no, I'm just fucking around. Oh, but then God. it struck me that, like, it this guy be. that I would, like, we used to, like, make old jokes about. I am far older now than he was at that moment. Like, by so far that 
for him to actually consider the fact that might have been my mom yeah. means we are both so fucked up on age and have no yeah. understanding of how yeah. old anybody is. It's really wild. Yeah, it's 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 a, a symptom of subculture. Yeah, bad, it's totally bad. insane. So so you were like a twelve year old who moves upstate from Long Island. Okay, yes. Yeah. So yeah. and to go back, to, I mean, imagine if I stayed in Long Island, like I would just oh. have a fucking chain right now. It would just be ridiculous. Yeah, you'd like, be like, man, should I buy that house in Staten Island yeah, or rent exactly. it or what? I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna get a sixty year mortgage. Um, <laughs> Yeah, like really, really bad. So I, uh, my parents had a weird thing where they split up without really discussing it with me or my younger brother. They just like my father just stayed in like the New York area. My mother came up here. Um, and so I would do a thing where I would go down and see my old man or all our family was still in Long Island. Right. So I would just in the summers or whatnot, I would just spend, I don't know, a couple weeks on Long Island. And in that time, as I would go back and forth, my friends down there had all gotten into, yeah, like, VOD and shit yeah. like that. Oh, and yeah. this is, like, this is right before Rancid became a thing, and, like, Green Day had just, like, happened, so everyone like was just 94. fucking confused. Yeah, it was just so fucking weird. It was a really confused time. Yeah. Well, like, it was, it's it's it, post-Nirvana, post-Cobain, yeah. and so everybody's wondering what's... So you have, like, the weird, like, post-grunge, like, soft alternatives. Mm. Like, oh, Gin Blossoms. This right, isn't grunge, yeah. but it's still kind of like It'll work rock. for me, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Adam Stack. Um, <laughs> then you have... Definitely. Then you have... Uh, the 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 fake punk explosion like Green Day pops Green Day plays Woodstock '94 and I was like I was, remember being a kid and be like I want to go so oh, yeah Green oh Day. yeah the like, throwing mud it's amazing I, know, begged, uh, I remember my folks were like we got it we got it for you for pay per view because we were gonna go to the original one <laughs> oh it's very kind yeah, and I was like oh cool and then I was like watching I was halfway there and I'm like nah. What the fuck am I doing? It's like, I can't wait for tomorrow night when Metallica plays. Oh, God. <laughs> like, but everything else is like, you know. Yeah. But um, it was kind of a testament to the time. Because like, I, before, one, one thing Hargo definitely gave me was like opinions. Like strong mm, opinions on mm, shit. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, as a metalhead, I was like, that's, it was like my own, like Miles Davis, where they're like, there's two types of music, good and bad, and you can never tell me differently. So it was like, this sucks. This will always suck. I'll never listen to it again. Fuck you. Yeah. And that that was the one mentality I had. So I only listened to quote unquote good music. Um but like when Green Day and like Rancid and shit like that came out, you were just like, I want to like this. Yeah. I don't know why. I'm gonna try and find an in. But it was like I couldn't hate it, yeah. but I couldn't love it. And I'll, love as it. nostalgia, I'll stand by that first Rancid record. I thought it was when I was like mm-hmm. a kid, that fucking that rocked me. Yeah. Um but it was so it was the kind of thing where I would go I would go down there for a few weeks and my friends would be into like oh we're really into screeching weasel okay cool and mm-hmm. I would leave for six months then come back like oh you guys are really into like the casualties okay oh, cool Jesus. whatever you yeah, know just yeah, like yeah. It, I had no other input up here so I would just go down and be like what's new oh holy shit that's a weird color uh, <laughs> <laughs> and bring it home and then you go back and you're three months exactly. behind exactly yeah. yeah it's exactly it mm-hmm. so. Uh, that was about that. And then I wasn't, it wasn't until I was like 16 that I met another person up here who was remotely, actually, rem- like he was into it. Yeah. And I think we held on to each other like fucking, like, uh, what were those things called? Like the monkey in a barrels? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got the hooked arms. We straight up just locked monkeys. arms for like 10 years straight. It was like ridiculous. Yeah. Like he was like, fuck. honestly, the man lives in Denver right now. I haven't talked to him in. You know, actually spoken to him in probably two years yeah. over Instagram, maybe a few weeks ago. <laughs> if he called me right now, is like, yo, I need you to come out here and kill somebody for me. I'd just, I'd grab a plane, like no question. Like yeah. it's, 
Just it's like a ride or die thing. I need you to tell me if rancid is good. I just need you to tell me if rancid is good. <laughs> well, I mean, is that that's kind of like as you get into hardcore. I think that's that's a thing I never thought about till right now is the idea like when you're getting into hardcore, even if you're young, if you liked music before, you're getting into hardcore or punk, and you're kind of like this music's kind of bad. Yeah. But I, I want to like it so much. Yeah. And then maybe you go and see it. And if it's... When, when punk or hardcore music is good live, it's like and that's yeah. good. Then that's the thing. Because live is always the deal. It's always the deal. Always the deal. And it, I couldn't name any hardcore albums I, I own, but I will go see live hardcore. Yeah. It's the always, always. And when we played, it was oh, live. The show was always the deal. Oh, yeah. 100%. Always be the best in the room. Always show up. Blah, blah, blah. You know the deal. Yeah. And it's like... And that was like when I remember when I first saw hardcore music. It was um, Shelter and White Devil and One King Down, but Shelter didn't show up. And I saw White Devil play. Yeah. Wow. Wow. John Joseph, right? Yeah. And (laughs) is that both worlds? White Devil's Harley's. Oh, okay. No, this was both worlds. Okay. Both worlds. This was both worlds. Which is, yeah. Yeah. Not White Devil. White Devil did play up White here a lot. White Devil definitely played up here a yeah. lot. Yeah. Um, but no, this was uh, my first experience seeing live hardcore. And they weren't even really hardcore. They were trying to be quicksand they were, kind of. Yeah. But, um, Failing at that, but you know, doing something. But it was very, really, and no one, like looking back, no, not, a, not a one was inside to watch them. And it was very low. But I watched it and I was like, ooh. This yeah, is larger than life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's something like this person looks like he's out of a fucking Bronson movie, or like one of my dad's friends. Like it's very odd, but I liked it. And I didn't yeah, know why. Yeah, yeah. And I remember driving home thinking like, why don't I like that? And that's live hard. And there's something about it that puts it puts the thing it puts the magnet in your head that you will never leave. So if if you got entrenched in hardcore for a long, long time, you might have forgotten that. But I want you to think back to that moment when you're getting into stuff and you're kind of like me and. This this is not easy to listen this to. Is different, and then <laughs> yeah. eight months to a year later, you you forget that point. You forget the the, the sure. flashpoint where it was like, oh, and you just are listening to this all the time. Yeah, that was it. Start, <laughs> start getting a little fuller yourself. Okay, I want I want to get into the 1998 Albany scene report. Before before that, <clears throat> before that, there was Albany was always kind of a split place. There was different scenes going yeah. on. Oh, yeah, but you mentioned the band One King Down. They were like a they were like a thing here. They were. They were. They were. Uh, I moved down here when they were uh, becoming a, a big thing. They were a thing locally. Yeah. And then they were like, I remember they, <laughs> I remember one of the shows, they arrived in a U-Haul truck. And they're like, we're going on tour. And they kept talking about it. <laughs> like they were going on, like they were going to fucking Brazil or something. It was like a big, and people were like, goodbye, we love you. Like, it was like a really odd to watch. Oh my I God, was that. this fucking Syracuse, Rochester, Buffalo? I think it was like Syracuse, Rochester, yeah. Buffalo. Erie, <laughs> maybe Cleveland. No, probably yeah. not Cleveland. Yeah. Not, probably just Erie and then drive home. Like not <laughs> even. Make it to go oh. play with Shockwave and come yeah, back. Yeah, or they play with bro, the Bro Keeps, yeah. Brothers Keeper. <laughs> But you know, it didn't matter though. Like it was very odd. There was a band from Connecticut that I found so endearing called Hold Strong mm-hmm. that were like literally like sounded like they were playing like Lego chunks. Chunk, it sounded like they were playing through like Lego amps. <laughs> so chunky. And they're like, innocent people being hurt by your ignorance. I remember the lyrics. No one deserves this. And it was like I thought it was the greatest thing ever, and yeah. in looking back, they were like definitely like a like a triple A like yeah. never gonna level up band. Like, why did you drive to Albany? Like, 
You got you. Like, you got paid thirty dollars. Yeah, you schmoozed, but they like would play always open. They must have had like a real gift to gam because they always opened. It would be like hold strong, snap case, one king down, brother's keeper. Like it would always yeah. be big shows where people were like killing each other to get in, and then hold strong was opening it. But you heard that weird like 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 I, I call it like the harvest effect, where it's just like that midwestern like angular like. Like playing through like rack gear, yeah. Like everything sounds very artificial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> like, and chunked out. It's chunked all blocked. Out. There's no smoothness to yeah, it. Yes, like yeah. flat front Marshall cabs, rack gear, Nikes. Like the whole like playing through like John Jackson like metal guitars, like kong kong kong. And it was just like you heard that, and you didn't even know what it was, but it was just like a sound that you really were drawn to. And I don't even know why. It's very like interesting but why I was drawn to that. Maybe because I have a metal background. But there's a thing about sound like specific sounds at certain times. Like I I was telling I was on a, a band group chat and uh Crass released the individual tracks of their first record. Mm-hmm. Which is a record that sounds like it's drunk. It's just like it is. It's, I've never heard anything worse than this. It's incredible, <laughs> right? But it made such an imprint on me that I got the individual tracks and I put them into my DAW and I started to mix them. And I got emotional. And I almost welled up. I was yeah. just. I was just so I like taken with the fact that I could play with these fucking weird yeah. sounds. It was so cool. I loved it. Andrew texted me wanting to talk. That's how messed up he was. We need to talk about it these crass tracks. Like, yeah, it wasn't just a meme that I sent at 2 a.m. Yeah. He was like, can you talk? I was like, yeah, I guess. What's up? Like, I'm mixing these crass tracks, and I, I, don't, I don't know. I just need someone to bring me back down to Tell earth. Tell me I'm not crazy Tell for crying crazy. right now. Okay. Yo, did you have hardcore friends you would call on the phone to talk about music? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. My roommates. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I had some hardcore roommates that became unhardcore. It's a whole other story. Mm-hmm. They became unhardcore. While I was living with them and got into weed real bad. Oh, man. And yeah. my world was fucking turned upside down. Uh, it was like the worst thing that could have ever happened to me. <laughs> and we were in a band together, too. Right. Oh, shit. Very strange. Um, I don't remember the name of the band, mercifully. It was definitely a hardcore band. But um, it was... We'll get into that later. But it was... <laughs> the mentality, it was just like... I would definitely, like, before we all moved in together to have my first proper punk house, which is a whole other story. Um, <laughs> and we, uh, well, yeah, I would call them all the time just mm-hmm. to talk about music and what we're going to do. Like, Ugh. grand plans. And I had a journal of straight-edge lyrics. And one of the songs was called We're Winning. Wow. Yeah. Very earnest. Were you? Extremely earnest. <laughs> I would sit downtown. Mm-hmm. This is very embarrassing. Oh, yeah, get into this book. Yeah. I would sit downtown and just write lyrics about being how awesome being straight edge was. <sighs> yeah. Oh, and, uh, and the, well, the lyrics was like, we're winning. And then I had, and then it was like, I was sort of into like expressing myself through like rap. Like, like, like I want to do like, have like a rap part in the song. And like, so yeah, stuff like that. So you that. had a rap part written. Oh, it? yeah. And it was like, Funny it, when you think about it, all the hate in this world makes you just want to no, no, shout. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> but I, I was by myself. Yeah. And I was very hard to deal with <laughs> as a person. <laughs> I was. I was. Yeah, yeah. I remember my, I alienated all my metal friends because I listened to like that. Uh, I won't say what they called it, but it was equates to like weak shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but they had other words for it because it was upstate New York beginning with like p and f 
You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can you can fill in the blanks there. Um, and so I really just alien, hardcore created its own alienated sad fan in me, and I would do nothing but go to Probe Music in Saratoga and keep buying hardcore looking tapes, <laughs> like whatever like Murphy's looked, Law, yeah, right, right, Judge. Mm-hmm. Like anything, like there was the uh, SNFU fucking, and yeah, nobody wanted flipper. to play. Nobody wanted to play. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like flip, because it, flipper, because it was on Roar, and I yeah. know that Bad Brains th- uh, thing that was on Roar, and then the um, the New York Hardcore documentary came out, and that sort of really like, put me on the different path, because I had the, CD, the accompanying CD that was put out on uh, SFT. Striving for Togetherness, yes. yeah. And... Um, I didn't watch, I got the, it's like I read the book before the movie. I like listened to the CD before I watched the movie. <laughs> and that was really, I thought the CD was fucking great, especially 25 to life. And I know nobody's oh ever said that, but. Um, what if I told you there's this 25 to life revival right now? I, I actually picked that up, but not with, uh, not with uh, RTL. No, um, no, no. Well, the, he tried to steal a guitar cabinet from me once. Did he? Yeah. Well, well so they they replaced him with um, with Stickman from Fury Five. Mm. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's kind of you really can't do so anything it's not about like that. He can you can't fight his way back. No, 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 no. Yeah. And and what I meant by the revival is there's there's young people. People who are just are, into it. We're like yo, twenty five to life though, and uh, it's like 20, people who were born in nineteen ninety five. Yeah, I think like, I oh. told the story on. An earlier episode of this podcast, but I did sound for twenty five to life for in front of four people. It was it was like the <laughs> saddest turn I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, and I had possibly the best artist interaction I've ever had with Rick afterwards. It was like me and him just like cleaning up cables. He was the actual nicest man on planet yeah. Earth. I I understand that he like has tried to rob people and people want to shoot him in the head and whatnot and all that shit. Yeah. Allegedly, I am, allegedly, I am ride or die for the man. He's not get Bob into trouble. Exactly. Yeah. He's uh, <laughs> he's gonna take the. Take I will the always go to bat for that man. He's fucking. He was very kind to me. I will always have his back. So the the thing that happened with people from New Jersey was that <clears throat> a lot of bands would go play with Twenty Five to Life or come and correct and end up sure. being like, oh, we were playing a show with them and then they found out we were on a weekend. So they jumped on our other shows. <laughs> yeah, oh, dangerous, um, dangerous moves. Yeah, and they were like, you know, and the dude's nice enough, and he's being nice to us, and he's asking us to put our records, and we know better than saying yes, and we say no. Yeah, but he's being nice, and then they do like an AF cover, and we're like excited, but they're like, but we remember when he did that a couple of years ago, and all our friends ended up on the cover of the Come and Correct record. Oh yeah, and they did not want to be there. Yeah, yep. so it'd be like, oh no, totally. Totally. That was he was um, with it. I'm all yeah, right with it. He had probably the best gamesmanship of anybody, uh, as far as like selling stuff, making bootlegs. Like he really, really like worked it to like the the last in like the last strain. Speaking of 1998, did you ever go to a show where Rick to Life? And Neil Tribal War had their distros set oh, up. That yes. was a fucking scene. It was like man. a shopping. That mall. was like the fucking. That was like the line to stop oh. the Nazis from entering France. That was like out of control. <laughs> well, I got. I have a story about that. Oh, well, yo, so so uh, right now, '90s hardcore is being fetishized. Mm. People love it. So I feel like um, it's been happening for 20 years. It has, but it's like, but now it's being fetishized by people who weren't alive in the, like who were born in 2000. Sure. And I think that there's just enough holder ons of 90s but i think it's not being seen for what it was yeah because there was a lot not. like that what your description of you downtown like i remember being like i'm straight edge and i'm 16 i'm xing up to go to the pizza place I'm, yeah <laughs> i'm just hanging around the house i'm yeah. next up like yeah i'm really like i am getting in my car with a thousand stickers on the back yeah 
I am driving to by myself. Yep. Because there's no, there's, there would be no, there's no like like affection or anything happening. You're totally by yourself. Yes. And like I'm gonna go to my pizza job, <laughs> like Duff for Domino's or whatever. Xed up. Yeah. And people are gonna ask me why, and I'm just gonna be like. You know, it's a, it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, I remember going with my friends who were not hardcore kids at all. They were just like my friends from the neighborhood, and they'd be like, "What's what's what going are you on, doing? man? Yeah, like, what's what's up now?" Yeah. Um, but so '90s hardcore, the the distros were like unfucking believable. Tables, yeah. tables, and tables. Yeah. In retrospect, probably like a really odd thing to do. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I feel like some of those guys managed to at least pay their rent a couple times on that shit, which is oh, cool. I mean, it became like, like a full time thing. Yeah, there were people. There were people who were able to like sustain a, a real thing for a while. That's sick. I think I don't know when it died. I think the mid two thousands. I yeah. The last time I remember seeing a big distro was like I don't even mid like early two thousands. Like, yeah, like yeah, online. Yeah. I think online web stores started to kill it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hellfest. I remember I play. I had an opportunity to play Hellfest with another band. Uh, we can talk about it later, whatever. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, they, the merch area was stacked with mm. like the five. This was probably like the final like Hail Mary pass for a lot of like big distro guys. Like I remember like um, Hanging Hex yeah, for a while. Yeah, yeah. I had like a big distro and like even Rick to Life, I think, was there. I'm sure he was. He always drove a minivan that was full of shit. It looked like if you go to the flea market, it looks like guys with that. Yeah. I mean, that's what it was. That was yeah. that culture kind of. It really was. It's it was. the yeah. idea. Yeah. So, so '90s fact for one is you would it would be like half show, half flea market, and Definitely. people would show up with their wares. And and even then, like I remember a few years ago, I was cleaning up my garage. I just moved to my new house. I was like, I've got all these shirts. I got all these <laughs> records. I got to get rid of them. There was a show down the street in my town. I'm oh, like, perfect. Cool. I'm gonna bring them. Maybe I'll give some away. To, I'll sell a few. Kids were like, wait, what's going on? Why are you bringing your like, what shit is this? Yeah, what are you, yeah. homeless? You need <laughs> yeah. help? Yeah. People were into it eventually. They got the vibe. But it. it was like, it was, it was, it, that was just something that happened. Like, right. you could just show up with a box of your stuff to sell it. I mean, sure. it, just square footage in shows that are like in small rooms. The amount of fucking, and then you had to have a person whose only job was to stop people from falling into your yeah, distro. Yeah. It was fucking ridiculous. Oh yeah. People would be sliding across the floor if you were in like a VFW with a slippery floor. People oh, would be yeah. sliding across the floor and if, God forbid, you bumped into the wrong person's table. Oh no. Mm. They would be like, what the fuck? You'd hear them over the <laughs> it's music. It's curtains like, for Peter. It would be yeah, like, oh, yeah. shirt grabbing time. Yep. Oh yeah. <gasps> Well, speaking of shirt grabbing, I remember a couple times I got bit by this because of my na- naivety, I guess, of being a youngster. Uh, I would put my stuff down to mosh, and then I'd come back and it was gone. Mm. Who would steal an earth? Who would steal the Earth Crisis uh, people? You know, digging shirt or like the attacking the yellow death machines shirt. Yeah, where's we'll that shirt know. now? I think about that sometimes. <laughs> uh, so, so ninety, um, Albany in nineteen ninety eight. That's what that that was the okay. homework assignment. Here we it was are. Albany nineteen ninety eight scene report. Yes. Let's get it. I didn't get this homework assignment, but luckily this is burned into my brain forever. My last thoughts as Alzheimer's fucking oh, yeah. takes me will be Albany nineteen ninety eight. Oh yes. Um Did you guys know each other? Just establish that. Maybe not? No. No. In ninety eight, no, but by ninety nine we did very like we were like say vague. hi friends yeah because aware aware of we each were other. aware of each other your roommate oh god yeah no this was that was 98 was that 98 okay because i yeah you tell us yeah, yeah. so i was living in my first punk house um i was very punk 
<laughs> it was ridiculous. Yeah, but also really confused. Like, actually, in the same way you were talking about where you were just open to whatever, I was, like, a straight-edge punk crusty kid who would, like, walk down the street in, like, a bullet belt and a CR shirt. Yes. Yo, like, honestly, yeah. if you see this person, he's confused. Yeah. He needs help. Like, this yeah. is a fucking confused person. But I'm in a punk house, and then you had a roommate who was... Uh, there was just a lot going on there. there yes, was, sir. Yes, uh, sir. A, a person with uh, with concerns. Yes, Lord. Who was my girlfriend's, like, at the time, like, best bud. Mm-hmm. And so they would hang out all the time and do whatever... Um, and we, like, we used your kitchen to cook food nut bombs once and didn't clean up after ourselves. <laughs> I if, did not like that. If the legend is true. <laughs> hold on, um, hold on, time out. Can you explain food not bombs to anyone under 25? Yeah, food not bombs still exists. Still persists. It does, it does. It, it, um, there's one local. Food yeah. not bombs is when you decide that you're going to cook chili and then set up a card table <laughs> in a park uh, and have homeless people come and eat the chili yeah but it's vegan chili it's vegan chili so of course so it's just like full of tempeh forcing and shit. your ethos on a man who hasn't eaten in days right exactly yeah, um <laughs> and good. this is supposed to somehow stick it to the man when really all that happens is you wind up fucking this is you may as well just set up a card table and sit on it and blow yourself well, you know like, it's like it's uh entirely like, useless on face value, it's this real like, oh, that's oh, you're gonna go f- feed the homeless on your day off, like that's that's cool. But there's also an element of that meme of the guy sitting at the table saying, "Vegan food is better than real food." Yeah, Prove uh, me wrong, a hundred percent. No, definitely. This is the thing. I like. I did this not that long ago. I just sat down because I there were people in my neighborhood that were constantly asking for money, like right outside my door in right. Brooklyn. And I just I spent a day because I had nothing better to do, and I just went around and I just figured out the resources available to people in my neighborhood and they're ample mm-hmm. and listen the guy who's asking for money is not asking because he can't get food he's asking because he's not fully able to function in the way the world needs him to so it's right. like it's 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 not uh, <laughs> it, i'm not saying fuck the homeless or anything like that but i am saying that yo, you sitting a card table up with vegan chili there is better uses of your time i <laughs> i sure. assure you of that there's places that really could use your help if you want to just Swallow your pride and take out the trash for somebody. Um, so that explains food not bombs. That's Welcome food to nineteen ninety eight. Very good. And the food not bombs would happen. I you did you would cook that shit in my house, which wasn't cool at all. Not cool. Um, Borrow your amp without asking. I think. Yeah, you did. Yeah. My, my PV. <laughs> Sean Duty. Actually, Sean Duty was on the scene. Oh, we should have invited Sean Duty over here. I just realized I'm a way <laughs> over. But no, we'll shoot him a text. He would never I'd come. He would, he would never come. He's, he's mega worried about. He's convinced going on. he is going to give his parents the coronavirus if he leaves the house. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's actually true. Yeah. I'm I'm yeah. uh, I'm imparting a lot of fucking uh, energy on the Sean Duty right now. But, so, yeah. But you would borrow my shit, and yeah. I didn't like that because at this time I was because I was becoming kind of full of myself, hardcore wise, and because I started getting friends in the hardcore scene, and I started feeling really awesome about what I was doing, which whatever that was. But I felt awesome, and I felt tough. More importantly, I felt tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I would listen to tough music, and I remember I told this is one thing that I remember about like I am going to like. I walked over because I lived close to this club called Bogies. Warzone was playing. Oh, yeah. This is like mm-hmm. after the Sound of Revolution came out. So it was like 96, 97. Yep. 
maybe 98. This was like 98. Business tour, maybe? Yes, yeah. it, that was exactly it. Yeah, you remember. Um, you weren't there, but you remember. No, but it, it, it hit New Jersey, too. I didn't go, but yeah. I went, and I loved the song, uh, We Must Be United as One, and I loved the part where he says, Won't Get Fucked Around No More. And oh, that was yeah. the first time that I elbowed people out of the way to take the mic. Yeah. Oh, boy. And I said, Woke up, fucked around, no. And I got hit so hard <laughs> that, and I, because I had elbowed <sighs> wrong, because I didn't know yeah. anything about the pecking order. Yeah. Or anything. This is very medieval, but I didn't know anything about the pecking order. And I elbowed this dude, Jonah, who was a, a very tough guy. Hmm. Whatever. I thought it was all in the game because I'm from, I'm from, you know, knock your friend down, have a good time. Pick moshing. him up. Yeah. yeah, pick him up. Somebody knocked down, you got to pick him up. This was not that. Mm. If someone gets knocked down, you stomp on him. Yes, 100%. This, like, is, no. this is, you hit the wrong guy. Somebody <clears throat> grabs you and goes, no, no, you can't hit that guy back. Yes. No, and not even grab me. They yeah. just fucking they just, just fucking, me. you just lose a molar for your troubles. I got hit so hard in the side of the fucking head. And I got my, I got a really, I knew I had a concussion because I had a bunch of concussions in football, which probably explains a lot. <laughs> and um, I, uh, I was like, I was very, but I couldn't even like, it was the spins, but I wasn't drinking because I was straight edge. And I yep. was like, um, and I dude just looked around me and he's just like, he looked at me and he knew that he like really hurt me. And I was just like, and meanwhile, the show's going on all around us, but I, we just locked eyes for a second. And I was like, <laughs> Like, blah, 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 blah. and <laughs> I never fucked around. No. Yeah, uh, uh, and it was like that was I was like a moment in 1998 moment that I have indelibly locked in my memory. Uh, ironically enough, you know, this reminds question. me of of 98 because 98 was actually kind of a weirdly pivotal point in Albany because for God knows how long before that there was this really intense divide between punk kids and like jock hardcore kids right there were, it was like it was a, you could yeah. not cross that line um i don't know who fired the first shot to be honest it was it was years <laughs> before either was got involved i don't yeah. know that was like there was some other person some other place fucking did that shit um but 98 was the first year that people would like show up in both sides that were like this is fucking stupid and a lot of that was those fucking old guys who would just show up and break a fucking two by four over your head if you like sat in their car so like those guys were years. starting to disappear and then new people were showing up and it was just like everybody that day was weird because everybody was like trying to like stick their toe into the water and see if it was all yes. right to like yeah. make friends across but, the aisles but right. also but also then like a band like shift would show up <laughs> with wearing hawaii wearing like hawaiian shirts yeah playing with project kate and yep. like stigmata yep. yeah okay I mean, it was like it was also the head that still had that '90s wackiness, where it was like anything could happen at any time, right? Yeah. You know, like, but it was also like um, very. It was, it was right. It was like a, kind of a, like also a scary time. Yeah. But was, also, like some of those dudes like transcend. Like some of those dudes like were smart and were like, oh, we're gonna start playing music people like, and then they created like their own brand of hardcore yeah. that people were into, right? Or like would join a like. I know how to play guitar. Let me join your band. And they joined a band that people liked or whatever. But a lot of them, a lot of them just became like barbers or like did tattoos or mm -hmm. like yeah. fucking started playing swing music or something. Yeah, shit. bouncer like, core. Yeah, bouncer, bouncer core. core, precisely. <laughs> like it sounds exactly like Clutch. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Chaco Taco Delight. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, I mean, meanwhile, all of us young people were enjoying having the time of our lives where. And like Earth Crisis really started to make an impact on me in like a Jim Jones like I own you now way. <laughs> right. So hold on, we need to pause there. Okay. Did you did you ever? I was not a Kool Aid drinker on Earth Crisis. I was just young enough that when I started getting into hardcore, 
like they had they had gone to the tipping point. Yeah. And oh, yeah. and because of the shit, oh, yeah. like I had more friends who were into punk, so Earth Crisis was kind of like, no, no, no. And I, uh, but I was curious because I was straight edge. I was, I'm, I'm, I still am, but I was like, yo, I want to like this, and I didn't. And they were like going lame. They were sp- about to start doing Ozfest shit. Oh yeah. Were you in or at, not? No, I saw Earth Crisis a handful of times before it was like verboten by uh, by yeah. my friend group. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, that was never that was never my thing at the time that that was happening. I really thought that Aus Rotten was a good band. Like yeah, that's, I mean, that's yes. like a <laughs> fucked scene. Right. I mean, like, let me put, the, I own fuck Nazi sympathy and you know, like, cool. I, yeah, right. Right. Like that was where I leaned. But for people in upstate New York, it's like, dude, dude yeah. Holy like, Patrick shit. Patrick can't talk about earth crisis without getting weird. Like he does the distant. Like, <laughs> yes, yeah. it's true. That's, absolutely. I think they dusted like the clouds or something. It was really weird. Everybody oh, yeah. loved them so much. And not in a, like, I love, like, them as... I don't even know anything about them as dudes. I just love what they stand for. And you're giving me, like, my most extreme, like, I want to take your pack of cigarettes and put it down the sewer. Like, my most extreme straight-edge notions. You're writing lyrics like, fuck those who bent the straight-edge with your fucking lies. Like, stuff like that. And I'm just like, yeah, fuck you. Fuck Everyone. Yeah. And I, I was, have a weird theory on this. Uh oh. I just kind of started Sarah. working on it now. But um <laughs> Love Love Starter theories. Yeah. All go. right. So upstate New York, legitimately mm. since New York was owned by the Dutch, has been the spot where you've had a if you had a weird esoteric religious idea, you brought it upstate. Yes. Mormonism started here, like a bunch of crazy fucking Nexium, all this shit. They called it the burned over region because people would just come up here with like fucking circuit riders and just preach and everybody was just fucking burned out on the ship. That was it. Yeah. I am fully convinced that things like Earth Crisis, all the shit we've been describing is just a proto need for some sort of high fucking falutin religion that is baked into this region. I cannot explain why. I think it's a thing. uh, Yes. I think something to cling to. And also the fact that it was. It was up. It was in New York State. Yeah. yeah. Now yes. here's the thing. Yes, other other than Earth Crisis, is there and and maybe like Orangeman football and basketball? Was there anything <laughs> from Syracuse that you ever would cling to as like being a part of you? No. No. Like it's, no absolutely. Might as well be Ohio. Right. No. It, it might, it might as well have been a million miles away. Yeah. I've always said that when you pass Kenajahari on the interstate, you're in the Midwest. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. No Correct. question. But they would come and they talked weird and they were a little like. They're all really short. I remember that, yeah. and I was like, "Hmm." Like, but they um, dressed differently, and they spoke differently, and they spoke very authoritatively, and they carry. They gave off a lot of airs, and they played the rack <laughs> rack gear, and they wore headbands, which I have never seen before. And they didn't wear big, big pants. They wore bigger pants. But then yeah. I was like, "Oh, Jesus, must just be an all their pants thing. meant business." <laughs> I was like, maybe the size forty two uh, gypsies and thieves. Not Jenko's, <laughs> where I go to the rave. I go to like, I go to like, uh, what was the, the skate store? TRX. Oh, yeah. The mall. Yeah, I go to TRX mm-hmm. or, like, or like a rave shop on Lark Street. And I'm like, I need the biggest pants you got. Because I, I wanted to, you know, be really cool. And then suddenly people really started wearing big pants and everything. But I remember was like, somebody informed me that only the girls would wear really big pants. So there I am wearing super big pants yeah, wearing a skirt, that cost basically. like 70 bucks. Yeah, those weren't cheap. So I was like, well, fuck, I guess I'm going to wear these and, and make a statement because, you know, whatever. I never really cared what I look like, obviously. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I think it was like weird when I wore them because people were like didn't know how to figure me out because it'd be like a straight edge shirt with a Thrasher font. Yeah. Oh god. But like oh also like god. a Slayer baseball cap that's not that's like embroidered that I got from a magazine. Oh wow. Very really rough. Very confused. Extremely confused people. So, yeah, yeah. But Earth Grace came and yeah, yeah. you were there. You went. You went to church. You were very good at keeping us on track. Thank you. Um, yes, and it was <laughs> almost like, like you wrangle cats often on <laughs> podcasts. <laughs> and um, it was. Oh, they were. I mean, I remember the feeling in my stomach when I saw them for the first time. It was unbelievable. And do you, do you remember the show? Uh, yeah, it was. Um, it was. Wonking down, Earth Crisis, Snapcase, and somebody else I can't remember. Oh, it was like it was um, it was like a band called Frame and Design, which didn't play that many shows. I might have been there. Yes, I, I might have been there. It was yeah. like it was like the show. if you like, showed me the flyer, I would be like, yes, right. I went to that. Yeah, and it was absolutely packed. Um, I'm probably wrong with the lineup, but it's, it's yeah. I mean, it's the nineties, but um, <laughs> it was uh. I would sing along like with with a lot of fervor, mm. like almost religious fervor, and it was like fuck those who bent the straightest. And I put my hands up in an X, and I almost fell off the bar and like <laughs> jumping up. And I realized that I'm a pretty wide. Like I was less wide back then, but I'm a pretty wide guy. And I real I didn't realize at the time, but it was very rude to like because they had the way the club was set up. It had like bar a bar on the stage where you could jump up, and for the purpose. It was a very forward-looking owner that had like, oh well, people <laughs> like to stage dive, so we're going to build a like a like a bar that people can jump off of. Yeah, that's like waist level. So when the people <sighs> singing, you can put your so foot up. Funny. Yeah. You can put your foot up on the bar and look cool. But if there's yeah. like a if it's a part where you have to sing along, you can jump on the bar. But people would like really fucking break themselves because if they jump off the bar, they're falling like twenty feet. Yeah. This is yeah, something yeah. that I found hard. the hard way. Way like because you would go to shows at this place and they would have they had the stage. And then they had, like, a four-and-a-half-foot, like, steel barrier. Yeah. Like, it was, it was almost like scaffolding in front of the stage. Um, and the, so you would go and see a band there. You'd jump up on the stage, and you'd grab the mic and sing along, and then you would stage dive off. And in order to do that, you had to clear this barrier. This is so, yeah. so good for this conversation, because anyone who went to shows in Albany in the 90s talks about this yeah. this thing. Like, it was like the bar. having to run the mile in sixth grade. <laughs> like, you had to do yes. it. You had to get over the bar. You get hurt yeah. on it. You get fucked up. So yeah. the bar's there. You would go out of town to other shows, and you'd jump on the stage, you'd grab the mic, and you'd sing along, and then you would run and jump off. In a totally normal way for you. Sure. And a totally normal way for people in Albany who are expecting this. But to people in Hartford, you are Rey Mysterio Jr. You have <laughs> yeah. just done oh. something so irrational. Or you'd, yeah. like, and you'd be in midair watching people run away from yeah, you. Yeah. And the, be like, oh, the, shit. Parting the same. Yeah. yeah, like this is going to hurt real yeah. bad. And then it would hurt real bad. Like, It'd be like if you go, like we would, we'd go out to the Lost Horizon to see Earth Crisis play. And that's their home <laughs> turf. That's their home turf. So, like, then we would, like, try to stage dive, but then it would be, like, they'd let it go for a little while, and then they'd start, like, knocking us down, and we tried to stage dive. But it was, like, you would jump very hard on people. And very have, like, hard. Sacconi marks all over people's heads and shit, and, like, whatever cool shoe, like, yeah. you'd wear, like, old, old-school Reeboks, mm. that kind of thing. Or there Combat was a, boots for me, yeah. you know? Well, there was, <laughs> I remember an interview, Army Navy. I remember Carl Buckner did an interview where he said that he only wears Brooks shoes because they're made in the United States and they're right. vegan. So everybody went out and bought Brooks right. shoes. 
Like everybody, they were like, oh, open my guy. And it was the sick. 90s were a real bad time for Nikes. So, so everybody was looking at mm, other yeah. spots. Mm. Saucony were big. You couldn't wear those. You'd no. get called out. Yeah. Early, early you know, canceled. Once everyone crashed the fucking the windows of Nike Town during the Seattle protests, it really it kind of turned around for Nike at that point. That was like the real <laughs> low point. But that was like, there were like, there were, that was like appointment viewing. Like the, all those shows will come in. And you basically, you would just go to shows. Like, imagine going to a show and not really knowing who's playing. And not having the access to know who's playing other than a flyer. Yeah, yeah. or somebody and, told you somebody was good. But the it would just... Blind faith. Yeah. Blind faith. And you would just go and you'd be like, oh, sick. So-and-so's opening. Like, you know the one band was playing. But you didn't know who was opening. You didn't know who was going to be there. But everybody just knew when it was going to be. And you just go. And it was okay. Or it was not okay. Like, you know immediately. Like, it was not okay. And that was the way it was for, like, a while. And... Strife would come through, and you'd be like, "Oh my god!" Like it was like so good because you'd see these people on posters. Yeah. It was almost like a very small scale. Like you, like looking back, that people weren't. I mean, it was a very low level of fame, <laughs> but it was people. Were, it was like I'm seeing famous people, and you would try to talk yeah, yeah, to yeah. them, and it was really wild. Hundred percent. Oh, we're we're getting blindsided here. Yo, so we're doing a uh, <laughs> 1998. It's Rick to Life. Albany Hardcore oh Scene Report. RTL's there. <laughs> ah. um, so, so we're talking about it. What is, your, what is the memory you have most fondly seeing Earth Crisis in Albany in the 90s? Um, Come on, man. Okay, so probably QE2. Nah, there you go. Um, let's see. Um, oh, uh, was it the nineties? No, no, no. The two thousand. When did when did we determine that uh, 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 release the uh, uh, fuck? What's the bad record? It's uh, Slither. 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 No, 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 no. Breed the killers. Breed the killers. Yeah. Um, Do you see what you've so, done? I I now know the Earth Crisis record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're good. Wonderful. Uh, determine what year Breed the Killers came out, and my favorite memory was. Oh no, my favorite memory is getting threatened by uh, Earth Crisis's uh, roadie at the time. Um, that's my favorite memory uh, because we opened for them, okay. and and I said something on stage that was misinterpreted by their roadie, who was like a recently sober marine, if I recall. <laughs> okay, um, all right. Who uh, basically made me go backstage and work it out with the band, despite right? Despite the fact that there was no problem. <laughs> so like, because so if you. If you- I remember you kind of made some like, yo, if it wasn't for these dudes, I wouldn't be up here. They're so important to me. But they took it as a weird slight. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like something you could easily misinterpret, right? So there's that. There's also when Breed the Killers came out, and uh, I knew the words before uh, everybody else because I got some advanced copies. So, like, the band was actually weirded out. (laughs) Oh, wow. uh, Because I was the only one singing along. Got an advanced copy. Uh, Cool flex. Drop something there. A car parked outside of the QE2 for a zine that when you told the story the other day that uh, you were part of a thing where it had to be recreated from memory. Yeah. Same, Same exact experience for a skate zine out of Albany where uh, the dude editing it was a big drug dude, hated Earth Crisis, and did a very bad job of (laughs) recreating the article. Um, And uh, Carl getting a little, not defensive, but clearly irritated that uh, uh, he was getting asked questions that involved caffeine. Uh, (laughs) So these are all my memories. Also... Carl's Carl's uh, like family friend is a friend of mine from high school, 
so uh, we would like. I had a weird connection where she would like. I think she introduced me one time. Her name's Monique. Nice girl. Are you trying uh, to impress somebody uh, you're yeah, eating what? dinner with? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. I, 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 what are we at the gym? There's a lot of flexing going on here. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, hardcore sellouts right now. Oh, <laughs> Actually, very good question. I we leveled up, man. They, uh, the, I think you would be so you would be like you might be jerking off in the other room with the level of earnestness they're they're giving on it. Right, they're it's like been a straight interview so far. Yeah. Oh, they're so in, so in. If you had to give your opinion at the time, who liked Earth Crisis more, you or Hans? Ooh, good question. Okay, so that was neck and neck because Hans at one time tried to buy the Destroyed Machines original art when it was on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. that forgot about that. Holy shit, I'm dizzy right now. Fuck. Yeah, of course. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. What yeah. What do you think? What do you think that ended at? Okay. Oh, I think it was in the low low thousands. I yeah, it no, like it wasn't. It was that was way too. That was way past past my means. That was yeah. I forgot about that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> really forgot about that. That's wild. Okay, so while we have you, uh, two of the biggest Earth Crisis fans I know. I've done this with a couple other friends where we went through and ranked them. Rank the Golden Era Earth Crisis material, Hans. What's what's your number one? Uh, it's got to be destroy the machines. I mean, that's that's the that was like the Jim Jones record. That's what sold everybody. That also bought everybody in. I mean, that, those had the they had the lyrics at the time. They had the lyrics at the time that that touched all of my fucking. I hate everybody who who even sniffs alcohol. Fucking lyrics, and and I I guess I'm vegan to whatever. Like mm-hmm. that was like that was my fucking thing. Yeah, definitely. And it, we, I thought that they were like kind of psycho when the first few, like when All Out War came out, I thought they were a little, I thought the lyrics were a little nuts. But by the time Destroy the Machines came out, I was all in. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or nothing more than a one hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamgoat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamgoat's Van Flip Podcast. Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road. Uh, Destroy the Machines is by far the best. Uh, as I always say, and I, I insist that my, if my folks insist on giving me a wake uh, to play it at my wake. Uh, <laughs> night of Justice, Night of Justice. 
Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, followed by uh, Firestorm, followed uh, by, uh, yeah, probably Destroy the Machine, or probably uh, uh, Gamora. Um, now, yeah. now, here's the question. What's next? Is it Gamora? Oh, oh yeah. Actually, I would put Gamora ahead of all that work. Um, so, so yeah, it, it would go um, Destroy the Machines, Firestorm, uh, Gamora season ends, uh, all that work. Where do you feel on that? What do you feel on Gamora? I never was never in on false metal. That's my problem. I was always like a big metal guy, but I. Ne- but when that came out, it was like they had that one song that was just like really like low tuned, like six string ba- bass. I just was never into that, and it was just it, it was dis- it was like disappointing, and it made me uh, maybe do a lot of drugs. Yeah, there was there was a drum machine yeah. record there that pushed him uh, outside. <laughs> yeah, that was like, I, what was their? Yeah, Slither was like their GameStop album. Yeah, everything yes. sounded like everything sounded like it was on a on a uh, video game soundtrack. On a recent listen, I, I claimed Slither being their best record, and Patrick made nice. er, made a shit face, so wow. it was good. Um, yeah. They were really into lifting weights too. I remember that maybe they, they were they had like weights with them at one point. <laughs> You're thinking of the Misfits. Um, <laughs> they played with the Misfits. They were touring with them. Uh, P- Patrick, final question because I know you're busy out there. Yeah, I'm um, sure he's fucking like. Oh, I'm yeah. sure there's a boardroom waiting for him to uh, yeah. get back to what they're doing. Yeah, there's a, there's a personal assistant trying to get his attention right now. <laughs> yeah. When when Han stopped being straight edge, did it? Did you feel a thing? Uh, no, because I don't think I was privy to when it happened. I find everything out later. No, so no. I, I think that like it's like finding out nine eleven if you were in the Grand Canyon, <laughs> like on nine thirteen. You're like, wait, what happened? No, <laughs> yeah, I. It's, just a, it's not like the horror of the thing no. in front of you. It's, me, it's, it's, there's some delay. Me, which I think it's probably better. Yeah, um, me, me losing my. So, no, but I do mourn it every day. Me uh, letting the edge go dull coincided with me losing my fucking mind. Yeah. and not talking to anybody for a long time. So like uh, that all just sort of like went hand in hand in my. Uh, Long journey back to who I am now. <laughs> you know what they said. It's a long way back if you want to rock and roll. I guess, yeah. It's whatever. true. Uh, long is the way and uh, hard is the path. Uh, I watched yeah. Seven yesterday. Are you, um, are you welcoming Hans back to the Earth Crisis pit? Yo, you, I was just about to go there. He, he's, he's welcome anytime. Great. <laughs> All right, I'll be there. Pit, pit of unity. Thanks, Patrick. You're very welcome. Goodbye. Bye, buddy. There he is. I, I wanted to give at least one. That's great. I think he was. Uh, I think he was with me the night that I asked Carl to for an interview. Yeah, at his van, which is having been in a van, that's like maybe the worst thing you can do. Oh. Like you're trying to get shot if you go to somebody's van, and everybody's just like chilling Dude, after. Get like get away from the van. Yeah. Listen, everyone listening right now, get the fuck away from the van. That's the safe space. That's right. the moment where, uh, where you're, you know, if you're at a convention or something, somebody just finishes up off the mic and they start walking off stage and you like, hey, I want yeah. to, no, ah. no, 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 yeah. no, no. Yo, if you're approaching the van, you had better be lifting something. No, it's like, nice. for sure. You better be carrying an amp or some fucking heavy shit we didn't want to carry. Have an envelope with money in it. <laughs> or, yeah, or that. That's fine. Carrying something. Well, I think that if you're playing music and somebody, you're playing music that people like and somebody wants to talk to you, that's great. But you also have your personal time. That's like being in, a, in the van is your house, and if you're just like 
knocking on somebody's door without like any for no reason yes, you're jehovah's witness at that point yeah exactly you're just like oh, who are you who are you oh you, oh, you need a ride to the next show oh good <laughs> that's happened that happened to us more than anything else Holy people weren't necessarily shit. fans of end of the year they just wanted rides places. they were fans of getting in the van with us holy <laughs> no they were there yeah. was one guy in california, california center Santa holy Rosa. shit uh, can i get a ride yeah where are you going anywhere i don't know <laughs> where are you going? Yeah, yeah. Wait, what are you talking about? We're you like, don't no. know. Like, what do you think this is? That was the. This is not the fucking mystery machine, dude. God bless. That God was bless that was like the weirdest like show on earth because we had no money and then people like passed the hat and we ended up making like three hundred bucks. Yeah, it was great. Out of nowhere, good show. I feel like I saw you guys right after that. You were glowing, oh. like like you couldn't <laughs> yes, believe I you it. Did. I it couldn't believe it. I couldn't. I mean, no, it doesn't happen to every band. No, we were destined for something. <laughs> um, <laughs> so 1998 uh, is a weird time for Albany. It's heavy. There's heavier hardcore. Yeah. There's, there's punkier hardcore, well, there's, but stuff's like shrinking. Stuff's there's, starting to coalesce. Yeah. It's starting to become a, a thing. Well, Around 2000, it's a full on thing. There's heavier hardcore, but it's relegated to a city called Troy, oh. which <laughs> I, I understand that Stigmata had a renaissance not too long ago. And that was oh, sort yes. of like, yeah. So it was sort of like those bands sort of like trying to jump on because a lot of those people are like, Sigmata, they got, got fucking rich off hardcore. Why can't we? And they're like, the truth is like, no, they didn't, they didn't get rich no. at all. And like they all, they fix cars and shit. Like they don't, they're not rich at all. Anyone who says they're from Troy did not get rich. No, no. They're if from Troy. Yeah, no. <laughs> if you're loading a truck to move to a nice house that's not in Troy, maybe you made some money off hardcore. But otherwise you're just, you know, you're in the basement. If if we went back in a time machine and told ninety eight Hans like hey in twenty plus years people are gonna talk about Troy Core all over the world like it's a thing I wouldn't believe it yeah because it was so it does f- seem it, very insane and it started the Albany Troy kind of rivalry because yeah. it was so mm-hmm. funny to us yep. and they would they and the, the promoter at the time who would like try to make everybody happy would like throw them on a gig with like Snapcase or somebody yeah and it would never went well or it would be like <laughs> the shows would be like marauder earth crisis wartime manor yeah right or like yeah or like driven by rage remember mm. that band oh yeah show me some respect you fuck <laughs> that was the best <laughs> like really good like the the key to the troy Corps was like really like um very like you can tell it's like a dude like telling his girlfriend like don't don't come in this room i'm writing lyrics like that kind of shit yeah. and like, <laughs> like imagine like smoking like yeah. sitting at a yeah. fucking like a, he has like a table set up where he writes lyrics and shit like that like it's a real serious fucking thing yeah. and he's like look in the sky jesus christ, christ save, save us, us from, from your world worlds. like that kind of shit and like really deep personal lyrics over like like crate fucking amps. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you step up, you get a laney, and you, everyone thinks yeah. you're fucking oh. royalty. Well, it was whoever was the rep in Albany, and like Justin Loudon follows me. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> what was the like the gear rep for like Galleon Kruger and Crate? Oh, I know, right? Or like and like or At like Albany Digitech. new music. Like, yeah, yeah this will be great. They, I mean, for gearheads out there, like that was the gear. Like it would, it was all the sound of like very compressed, processed. Like you'd have like a BBE Sonic Maximizer. Oh yeah, uh, and like a rack and like a tuner yeah. on a on a like a short rack on top of your like normal amp. Or like your, your Mesa amp. Galleon you know? Kruger bass amp, rack tuner, BBE Sonic Maximizer for no discernible heart, reason. Heart key bass cabinet. Heart key bass cabinet. <laughs> yeah. The cubes. 
so when we do this and it's a full room party and we got everybody on, we'll do a listening party because oh, that'd be great. Absolutely, that. that's fucking. We got to do it. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. What's funny is all of these old Troy guys that were like real like liabilities during that point. There's the dirt my, bike dudes. They're not my boys now, but we're very chill. Like now, when I see them on the street, I'm just like, it, it's it's a very like. I th- everyone's gone. So if you remember anybody, there's a right. kid. I talked about this on our podcast. There was a guy who read my address to a room full of people because I said something bad about them. And he said, go, go pay this man a visit. No one came. Uh, I saw him outside of a laundromat and we exchanged a knowing nod a few days ago. <laughs> or I guess at this point, a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's, that's, that's where everything has... Uh, that's, that's, as we all circle the drain, that's... What are you doing? Why? Why are you taking a photo of me? It's, it's really just, unnecessary. It's time. It's you know what, guys? Like I haven't, just, you know, I'm not looking good right now. Andrew, I'm not wearing my cowboy hat. Andrew, you look great. Yeah. So yeah, so that was kind of the um, yeah, that was the heavy music was coming from Troy, and yeah. like it was like real like it was they would get shows with like Bloodlet, like the weird yeah. Victory yeah. like outlier bands, yep. like Bloodlet. It's not surprising and, like, that was where. In like the mid two thousands, crew music like took hold in Troy. That, that was like it was the, yes. it was prime for that. Yeah, yeah, and, makes sense. Makes but sense. Wild Card, you remember the band Cutthroat? I do. That was mm-hmm. a hardcore band, mm-hmm. but they played like sound of sounded like Pantera. And they had like groovy riffs, like. But the guitarist also did a band called In This Together, which was very oh old. my god, right. very which, straightforward, right? Very yeah. straightforward youth crew. Yeah, youth crew, youth crew, youth sounded crew. like youth of today. Youth crew. Yeah, with, wow. even with the singing, and he would have someone ex- sent the the demo. It's actually like if you like that stuff, it's good. Yeah, it's re- it's fun. Albany had yeah. some okay youth crew because for Albany, a little, a few one weeks, thing about Albany, like, one summer, none of the studios were very good. Yeah, and and that was when you had to go to a studio. You couldn't just have like a friend mm. who had like a garage or like a yeah. There was no uh, no fucking digio yeah, two have to or go any to like, that shit. You have to go to like Ted Highland or like fucking <laughs> or like Max Tracks. <laughs> With, or like with Paul Benedetti with his purple cowboy hat fucking oh, running God the board almighty. for you. And it would be like, it would be like either of those two studios pretty yep. much, right? Like when One King Down would go for their like big, like when they did Bloodless Revenge and they did the other album with the other guy from yeah. Syracuse, John yeah. Peters, who was in a band after that yes. that played like, they kind of sounded like the police. <laughs> Spark lights to friction. Yeah. Wow. Oh, How did wow. I re- yeah. see my I'm taking, oh, wow. I'm, shit. I'm taking uh, ginkgo. My brain's coming back. And um, uh, they were in spark lights to friction. And they, he, I remember when they, this is kind of a funny story. Please. They played 300 Lark, which was a show space. This was now just an empty house, like everything else. And wow. we went there. Oh, I went there. Jesus and Christ. he's like, he's like, yeah, some of you guys haven't remembered me. I was in an Albany band called Wanking Down, and it was like dead silence. Like, <laughs> nobody fucking cared. Like, we were like, oh. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. it's that guy. Oh, my God. It was him. God loves man the kills. The scab, right. The yeah. scab. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were put in a position where they had to do what they had to do, I guess. Whatever. I, yeah. It was kind of like when Jason Newstead quit Metallica. And they had they to just, just had to do it. <laughs> they had to do what they had to do. They had they had to play the parking lot, so Bob Rock had to play bass. Yeah, everybody's seen some kind of monster, right? Um, and uh, <laughs> probably not actually. And you should. It's it's a very fun yeah. watch. Yeah. But but those are the two places to play. And what I'm saying is that all the the music either ended up coming out very aggressive and chunky, like in this together, or very like 
it's like very processed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like on all the drums sounded like cardboard boxes, like, dip, yeah. dip, 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 like really super like agonized over mixes. And, um, this is kind of like a, a more technical talk for people that I was like, that's what the Albany sound ended up becoming. Yeah. For a lot of people was the, all the, cause it was like who had the most lights on their rack gear. Yep. That was, the, that was the big deal. And you, who had the biggest cows, like a case like that, like mm-hmm. we have a mm-hmm. rack gear, we have a rack for our podcast stuff, but it was like that rack gear full of shit, like a really big one because everybody just wanted to be in the Deftones and we figured that out yes. later on. <laughs> it, 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 there was no context for it in the moment. But right. Because yeah, everybody was, because Albany and Troy were hubs for like, they would get big, big metal shows. And there were hubs for like metal, like, like shows that I fucking like would slam my door at home because I couldn't go to because I was too young. Yeah, right, this was right, like right, right. this was exactly the place where like when you wanted to make Sponge big, this was the radio <laughs> like world of human rights. Yeah, world of human rights. To this day, great song. When Sponge comes on, I'm, I'll fuck hell yes, I'm ready. Fucking everyone, <laughs> shut up. I need to listen to Sponge. Yeah. Uh, listen to one hundred two point seven. Exactly. Like. Was that the nineties alternative station? Yeah, yeah. It's still, yeah. it's still around, and they're still trying to be the nineties alternative station. <laughs> they have like, like Weezer piano concert, and like oh, Weezer Jesus will like Christ. come through and take like you know three grand and like play songs on the piano at oh the headquarters. God. Or like, it's really like. They're trying to be something they're not, but um, and it's always been that way. But they had like good PR in the '90s, and they had those stickers that everybody had on their cars, yeah. and and so you you realize the trickle down into the subculture underground music. It's, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, right yeah, there, yeah. definitely. And the world pe- before an internet is a fascinating oh. place. It's really wild. <laughs> this deep dive has taken me back to a lot of memories that I definitely didn't like. The fucking like trying to desperately trying to get the fucking. Uh, destroy the machines shit like I Artwork, never yeah. I, I completely forgot about that and I'm cr- really surprised that Patrick remembers that Tip all things all things Earth Crisis hey you know it's uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly and I that's why I loved Earth Crisis because at the end of the day they were a metal band yeah and they were like had groovy riffs in there but it was underplayed metal you know but it sounded like 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 late era metal like they had everything in common with the guitar tones from like Napalm Death, stuff like that. Yep. Can I, I want to talk to you about this because the thing for Earth Crisis as an adult, because Patrick worships them, I've had to listen to them a bunch, hmm. but I, I'm like, the song structures are really weird to me. The parts don't line up. Yeah, not a lot of bridges. No, and that's a, it's really jarring to listen to it when I'm, when, if I'm thinking hardcore, I'm a much simpler, you know, flow through, but, but you can see the parts of the yeah. song. With Earth Crisis, it'd be like, okay, and here's this part. And I'm like, okay, this part's cool. It's got a little bit of bounciness. And then it just it, you, dumps you somewhere turn. else. Yeah, it's yeah really and there's no, no transition. Agreed. That I, I encircled uh, Sodom Children on every side. I remember that exactly. It was like so weird. It's so jarring. Yeah. Right. And so that's that's my musical problem with it. Like being like, whoa, I, you know, yeah. especially. And there'd be long songs with different parts that don't line up. But. Right, you know, I, 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 well, they didn't have anybody telling them what they should do. Yeah, it was sort of like, well, they were the tellers, not the not the w- listeners. Right, right, and like, and if I look back on like the time Andrew and I played together, I wish that I had somebody be like, oh, that sounds like that. That sounds like the song you just wrote. Maybe you should, because like for a while I would like you had that person. Me. <laughs> not all the time though not all the time though no you you, you if i'm staring at my shoes noodling and be like all right this oh, is not the yeah, one all right that, never mind but, 
but it was like you know they didn't have a um they didn't have i guess they didn't have somebody there to be like all right well we can wrap this up i, I do want yeah. the demo syndrome yeah, and i wonder it. yeah like yeah. i wonder about if they had uh the the person in the band who's willing to say no whereas right. you can hear it's a hardcore it's a hardcore like uh disease is like five guys came to practice and five guys brought a part and we all said yes yeah, yeah. yeah that's why that's how shit like ray and porcel happened like yeah. the doo-doo-doo. It sounds like Phil Collins. It's there's the same, also, there's you know. a handicap to being in a room with five people who are all ready to solve their problems by cracking you over the head with a chair. Is yeah. that like yeah, you yeah. can't say no to these people? So, yeah, that's what happens. Sorry. But, you know, it's uh, there's something to be said for expressing yourself, I guess. And that's fine. I think uh, yeah. maybe that person doesn't exist anymore. Was, I feel like the world has gotten soft enough that maybe like even like murderers can tell each other no on specific but parts. I, I, think, I don't know. I think maybe. that people are oh, fear but. conflict so much, especially in a band situation where it's already very at best. It's it's you 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 know your associates and you feel like you could take over the world, and at worst you like anything could set you off. And I think that it's always a very delicate balance. And I think that. People are very more than ever. They're very afraid to be like, "I don't like that." Let's try something else, yeah. or let's write harder, or let's write smarter, that kind of thing. I don't think that ever happens anymore, and I don't think bands practice a lot anymore because That's you can hear point. it. You in a way, I think there everyone's are few, their yeah. own band now. Everyone's got right. a fucking focus, right? Yeah. They can just plug in and be like set to go. Well, like, oh, like, oh, did you practice tonight? Is the question not like, are we going to practice yeah, yeah. tonight? Yeah, exactly. And we would practice like military style. We'd run yeah. through the set like for two hours before we'd write anything. And I think a lot of bands were like that. And I don't think a lot of bands maybe do that now. I think you can see the difference in that. Like, I think that, that does sure. make a difference for a band. Even, sure. even if you're not particularly good at your instruments, if you're playing your bad songs a lot, you're uh-huh. going to get better at playing the bad songs. Yeah. I've got, I went from not really knowing how to play the guitar at all, just desperately needing to get out of the band I was in mm-hmm. and into a band that I liked to like being okay. Yeah. Like, I think I was pretty yeah, good. Sure. You know? like, yeah. okay, I got no, this. There's a thing with this though. I think you have to do that when you're younger. You've got to be, when you're in your 20s, be regimented about practice. Because now, I play with, what, five or six people. Yeah, you've got players and you guys don't practice. We never practice, but everybody individually had that regimented thing. So that I know that I can show up in Tulsa tomorrow. And And I haven't seen them in six months and it'll it'll just work. Which is wonderful and really fun because people people talk to me like, what do you mean you don't practice? That's crazy. Yeah. But it's only because everyone practiced so much in their twenties that it's you're, they're just reliable. That's it. It's well, fine. So which this, is yeah. This is kind of like something that we see. We do these live on Action Grand sets where we we have bands come in and record sets. Like, is that a real thing? Yeah, I've yeah, never yeah heard it's this. cool. Okay. Yeah, it's really yeah. it's cool. But um, but it's so funny because sometimes bands come in cold, just like oh yeah, we'll drive down and do it. Whatever, it's fine. They do. Everybody's done great. But we've caught a couple bands who are like mid or end of tour. Whoop. Holy shit! Like, they just click, and those tight. are the tour yeah. tight. We used to say, we used to say after like the third or fourth show, it'd be like, oh, "That's it, tour tight." There tour it is. Tight. Well, yeah. and I think that's the simulation you get when you're a band who does the regimented practicing yep. together, oh, and, yeah. or or you get to the point where players are just good. So, and, and, but even that, like, I feel like I'm sure if you do five shows in a row with the same people. You get the rhythms we as get, opposed I mean, to different notes, you know? If I played you all the outtakes of the live record we recorded over the past, over the weekend, like a couple months ago. Yeah. It's not so hot. <laughs> it's not, not everything yeah. just clicks. So, yeah. yeah. But, but so, I mean, that's, that's something that's, that's different and from then to now. But you guys are doing bands. You're, you were starting to feel yourself as a hardcore dude. I really was. I was starting to get laid. And yeah. I was starting to like, like really feel myself like 
because I started wearing the right clothes and shit. You and figured like, it out, yeah. Yeah, I started wearing like camel shorts and like sneakers and shit. Yeah, I'm like that's that, all. Yeah. And that, back then, you have a pair of New Balances on a camo shorts, like someone will fuck you. Yeah. Like it was like from from Syracuse, like with pierced hips and shit, yeah. like real oh hot. My God. And I was like, I was like, this this will be all right. Like, <laughs> yes. I, I'm like, I'm gonna lay down with a nice lady. This is cool, you know. Yeah. Like I don't really know her, I but wish. Like, and it was the first time in my life where I was like, I can pull, like. I, but I can't. And like, to I, change it, from going to from not to from not to for, for literally huge. for like two years. Holy not shit. Like holy I, shit! Like I after high school, I went to a semester of community college, and I went to Olympia, Washington, to like lay down with a lady. Like really early, early internet hookup. Yeah, ended up staying in Olympia, learned a lot of shit, but it was like it was like you know it was really good. It was a really fun time. I yeah. won't I won't get dirty because I know there's some Christians listening, um, <laughs> or Catholics. Uh, literally, we have requests for Christian hardcore deep dives. Okay. Okay. But this is not going to be that. This, no. is, this won't be that. Thank, but, thank you. But I won't. I'll refrain from swearing, so I won't. Uh, yum 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 can stay on overnight. Yum drive. yum yum can stay on overnight drive. Uh, Please tune I, in. I do wish. I want very badly for both of us to die peacefully in our sleep later on in life. Much but that, later. After the afterlife being just a Google search where you and I can sit down and figure out all the people from like Syracuse and all the spa that were like, oh yeah, me too. Look at yeah. that. Wow, she was weird. So, uh, so you're saying I'm starting to feel myself as a hardcore dude. Yeah, yeah and you're starting point. to do bands. Andrew, you doing bands at this point? I'm doing bands at this point. So yeah. you're doing music. You're like in. Um, how does that change in the next couple of years? Well, I think that I mean I. I I had done bands, but they weren't particularly good. I had always played guitar as a hobby, but I moved to Louisville, Kentucky. Oh no, you know what? Actually, I did. I always forget about this band. I did like a weird band that was like me playing guitar and like this like kind of scene dude singing, and like it was not great. What was this? You remember the name? <laughs> a band named Lucas. Oh yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, Fuck. Lucas. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Of course. It was no, not. They're good. a known band. It was not good at all. Um, but. Uh, it gave me that taste of live performance and because the same promoter that would book the weird shows, the QE2 also booked us opening for VOD. And that's when I got to see the VOD girlfriends boogieing to on stage to their music. And it was very well, if I got short circuited you. Yeah, I was, <laughs> it was wild. And I was working at Kinko's, which is so surreal. The it idea was. of seeing that. Oh my god! It was they. Their girlfriends were like insistent on coming with them, which I loved because it was definitely like a one-off. Or that oh, drive up, play, drive back, blah blah blah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And all the girlfriends came with them, and they were all this like. But it was like Jam. this is what they would do at like in Long Island, but in the context of Albany, where it's just people flying around, and then yeah. there's like dancing, and they're all they all look a little stripperish. Yeah, um, and everyone so and everyone from Albany's like. What is this? Yeah, like what who are they? And I immediately was like, oh, it's their girlfriends. Like hilarious, right? And uh, people were like, as, you know, as long as they play Suffer, we're happy because Albany's starved for, uh, still, they're starved for any type of entertainment. Like, oh, I recognize that song. That's all you need. That's stim- that one stimulus where they're like, oh, Suffer, Suffer. You know, and <laughs> Dragula. Dra- <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah, that's, that's your, that you're, you're a Long Island guy. You know all about Suffer. <laughs> um, but it was like, uh, that band was very like, I, we didn't play that many shows, and then yeah. I got fed up with. It's post nine eleven. You know, mm. I was feeling a little scrambled. Feeling a little, yeah. scr- feeling a little scrambled. Things were happening. Things were. Yeah. It was a weird time, yeah. and uh, <laughs> and I was like, I had an opportunity to move. Everybody to, asked where were you on nine eleven, but where were you on nine twelve? Like, I mentally, you know. <laughs> I mean, I was stoked that I didn't have to work. 
We had like a week That's off. Cool. Uh, I delivered paper for Kinkos. And, yeah. and I also worked and I could print any flyer I wanted and give anybody internet access at any time, which is another deep Cloud depth. job. It is a cloud job because Kinko, I mean, people come in and be like, and I just give them the thing and I would like, like, you, you could do something. You press a button and then push it in for this, for the, like, you just have to put a key into the printer. Yeah. Very primitive. But then this dude would come in and print like a thousand flyers and I'd be like, all right, have a good night. You know? And yeah. then like, you just never charge them. And then it was like, oh my God, it was the best. If you knew somebody who worked at Kinko's, you were like, good. There was, you worked there. Oh, I don't think you ever hooked me up. I think that was like after the fact. Uh, your man from Lucas, yeah. who I saw a few days ago. I thought he was mad at me for some reason, but everything was chill. Yeah, that's fine. Um, and then uh, Devin Cahill, who from I Drop think Dead. plays in Drop Dead right now, mm, also yeah. worked at that Kinko's. So it was like if you went in there at 10 o'clock at night, because it was a 24-hour Kinko's yeah. for yeah. reasons unbeknownst to man or God. Un- so weird. There were many. 20, that was I knew where all the 24-hour Kinko's were in New Jersey so I could go do weird shit. Like, yeah. I'm going to make a zine. It's 2 a.m. How Let's the go. hell did that company last as long as it did? Know. That's fucking mental. Yeah. They, they lasted long enough for FedEx to acquire them and be right? like, let's keep it going Yo, for a while. FedEx here. said this is a good investment. It's yeah. a 24-hour print shop. Double check your numbers. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that that was always a great time. Just going to fucking Kinko's at 10 at night and rolling the dice. Like, who's going to hook me up tonight? Um, Yo, yeah. so, so we talked on, we hit one king down. What about the other side of Albany? Devoid of Faith. Devoid of Faith is happening right now. Yeah. Devoid of Faith and Monster X. Yeah. Both a thing big time. I just helped get the Devoid of Faith discography up on Spotify. Is that and right? All streaming. So That's great. Yeah. That's wow. wonderful. Okay. Nate, uh, yeah. Nate Wilson said to say hello to you. Hello, Nate, Wilson Nate Wilson responded to, to one of my Instagram stories and said, love you guys. And I didn't know how to handle that. So I just thumbs up them and I'm like, okay, well, we'll just we'll deal with that later. Oh, he loves you especially. I used to paint houses with Nate. You did. Wilson. You did. Yeah. Me he, and Mark Me uh, and Mark Telfin. And Mark Telfin, yeah. That was another all, punk job. It's all coming together. All right. So so he posted an Instagram story. He listens to Axe Grind. So shout out, Nate. Yep. Um, lives in Jersey. He posted an Instagram story with a bunch of cassettes. In there was the end of year warm demo. Oh, Gave yeah. it to him in his car there after a paint go. job. And he, he said, what the fuck is this, buddy? No, he wanted it. Oh, nice. Because he was going to do a comp 7-inch that was going to have end of year on it. I yeah. don't remember the list, but it included like Give Up and a few other Albany bands oh, at the yeah. time. Yeah, it was going to be like an Albany style 3 yep. that never came out. Yes. Now, here's the deal. There is someone, shout out listener, who hits the Axe Grind email once every six months. Looking for the end of your warm demo, like it's oh wow, like it's like it's crack cocaine. I've got ten of them in my room. If okay. you'd like one, yes, he would very for, much for a price. Oh, I, yeah, oh yeah, so I mean, he bucks? Might, I think you could. I think he might be willing to pay up to fifty. But okay, maybe, That's you know, mental. It's a cassette I made in my room. But if you want to pay fifty, it's bucks, got a cover. God bless. You got a cover. It, it's got everything. All right, there we go. Yeah. You're welcome, person. We're getting you. It's sealed in saran wrap. Okay, so devoid of faith, though. Yeah. All right, so devoid of faith is. I th- that was a real hot streak for Devoid of Faith. The 10-inch came out, and the 10-inch yeah. was a fucking smoker. It was really good. And then I think another EP came out that was also really... They maybe made it into Split, and then that fucking discography CD came out. And yeah. man, that's like a, it's a fucking... It's a hot record from start to finish. And at the same time was when like Monster X like didn't play for a minute... And then all of a sudden we're like around. Yeah. And that was like a fucking fun scene. So that was... Uh, both of those, th- those were the basement show answer to uh, to One King Down yeah. or Earth Crisis or whatnot. And Monster X had this weird thing because everybody knew their name and they had kids who weren't like, like they had every straight edge kid wherever 
buying the record because their name's Monster X. Yeah. So there was, I mean, people would come from legitimately like Japan to see Monster X. It was so weird. Like it was such a bizarre flash in the pan moment, but it was cool. Like I yeah. still like, honestly, I don't have a record play anymore, but I would, I'd play Monster X. Okay. I, uh, I, I have not spoken to uh, John from Monster X in many, many years. I hope he's well. Uh, uh, but uh, <laughs> you, you live with them. I'm, you know, live with go, in, go in, a, go in. Must have been a scene. Go in, go in. Um, go in. But yeah. I will say he's a peculiar dude among peculiar dudes. He, oh. He's like a, a fascinating individual. Nice Somebody that I, cool. honest to God, now as a grown adult would mm-hmm. find fascinating to be in my life at the time was just like a weird oddity, which is, you yeah. know, is what it is. Wow, with all due respect, I'm going to say that man is an absolute nut bar. <laughs> <laughs> Out to lunch, uh, a couple bottles yeah. short of a six pack. Um, yeah, just absolutely. He's not um, functioning the way the world needs him to, for I, sure. I, I'll, uh, I'll be more diplomatic now. Yeah. I didn't live with him. Okay, I no, live we, with we had them. a conflict over a woman, which was weird. Oh, yeah, let that yeah. let that sink in. That was a strange. Yeah, we scene. Go that that's the Albany style three comp is just all the conflicts between yeah. people over women. I was in thinking about scene. this not that it's long ago. It's just a ago. list you fold it out. It's a seven by seven that folds out. <laughs> in the same like era, you could define if you were not that interesting. You could define your entire existence by who you didn't get along with. And that oh, was a god. Yes. It was very weird. It was There's very so many strange. people who do that. Yeah. And they're like, well, uh, I would never go. I would never go to one of their. And they remember shit that happened actually 15 years ago. Yeah, it's so like, strange. I, well, you know, we we still have that uh, unresolved beef. <laughs> I don't think like, there's anybody from that era of my life that I would not have at my Thanksgiving table mm, right now. Like yeah. happily, sure. It's sure. like fuck it, whatever. Like what a fun time. But yeah, at the time that's holy a fun shit. Thanksgiving. Yeah, right. <laughs> Absolutely. That that should be the overnight, a very overnight drive Thanksgiving. Yeah. You should have an overnight. All drive of Monster X. You're invited to my Thanksgiving that I'm having. In this one bedroom apartment, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's gonna be twenty people in here being like, "Oh, that was weird, huh?" Well, perfect. We'll set up the mics, uh, like room be, mics. It'll just be four boundary mics, and yeah. that'll be that'll Beautiful. be it. Um, so, did you fuck with that scene at all? Devoted fade, not no, really. Sorry, right? I would it was like different. no. I like post like after all those bands started to like die down or break up, I got into them. I, okay. I was into Drop Dead through Devin because I thought Devin was just a cool guy I worked with, and I wasn't. I think he liked that I wasn't like on his jock about his band and shit. I would just talk to him because he's like a cool guy. And like, I didn't, I totally, just because I was so laser focused on like, like metallic hardcore, like super yeah. into like, but also in a weird way, I, I had lived in Olympia and I also had a mind, I also had an eye on like indie rock and like I was always, I was like pop sensibility and that's the one thing that hardcore really lacked. Yeah, like the closest that it, hardcore gets to pop sensibility is like Gorilla Biscuits, and maybe right. like one song. So like, I was always like fame, <laughs> or or ramp or something. So I was always I had like an eye on on pop music and everything. But I thought that he was um like cool, and then I ended up working with Nate Wilson on uh, and Mark Telfian painting houses, and they were talking about stuff like music stuff. And I was sure, like, he's like, hey, buddy, you should listen to this, and they were like very much still into like maximum rock and roll and what, yeah, what yeah. are people listening to there. So I got into that, but not in ever in a heavy duty way, ever. But I acknowledged it, and some of the shows were cool, and but I it was like not on my radar screen whatsoever see but like that might be the healthy way right i like, guess yeah I mean, probably but, but it's just it's like uh 
a cheat code for for people is that like you're probably so entrenched in whatever your subgenre scene is. Yeah. The way you look at those other little ones and maybe like cherry pick like oh I really like this record and I like that one but yeah. a lot of those are just okay but that band's good live that might be the healthiest way that's to a healthier way to do it for sure <laughs> right with the shit. and I liked the bands live I did yeah. oh. like I liked they were very very good live and they were like unpredictable and there was always basements like temp- very temporary situation but I remember there was one show this guy Maddo put on shows but the cops kept busting it so he had an extension cord that ran all the way upstairs and then he'd have somebody sitting upstairs and when the cops were like shining the light in the window he'd pull the the extension cord and that would shut off the whole works yep. oh fuck and like <laughs> if, some, if the lights go out if the lights go out you shut up that's, that's it, the key. That's it. Yeah. just shut the fuck up wow and then they like, didn't figure that out in New Jersey wow that's yeah funny. no it would just be like and everyone was just like <gasps> and the drum would stop it, it, like, t- like grab a cymbal yeah. so it was up and it was just the music was. You would stand like, there in a dark room. Yeah, you'd stand there in a completely dark room, dusty and sweaty, and then you'd realize, oh wow, people don't smell very good here. And you'd be like, and then, and then you get the all clear, and you'd plug it back in, and the show would start again. So it was like six. I was like going to six shows because they had all just like yeah. have yeah. to stop and start and stop and start. It's I like did. playing football in the street. Yeah, as a kid, like, like oh, stop your car. Yeah, exactly. I did a drop dead show in a basement that uh, was preceded by we we had a holiday. That started in high school with me and a few of my friends called Fuck Everything, Fuck Everything Day, Day. Yeah. <laughs> which was just exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. You would just not go to school and you would just go and whatever and fine. Um, the punk so, version of Senior Day. Yeah, exactly. So we did a Fuck Everything Day show in a basement that started with an afternoon um, scavenger hunt. <laughs> and on the scavenger hunt list were like yeah. manhole covers and shit that's like really not cool to take. I think there was a person on, uh, on one of the lists. So a bunch of people show back up at the house with a bunch of manhole covers and whatnot. Yeah. Um, somebody wins. I don't remember. And the show starts. And then it, during the first band, oh, who was it? I think it was 315 from Pittsfield. Yeah. If, uh, yeah. if memory serves. Uh, every cop in Albany showed up looking all right. for all the fucking, all the stuff we took. Um, I go up and I like... I'm trying to talk to the cops. I also realize I have brass knuckles in my back pocket, which are illegal. So I yeah. go and I like go in the backyard and I throw them under like an overturned <clears throat> boat. And then I see a cop look for the brass knuckles. I'm like, well, those are gone. Yeah. Um, and they they won't they won't, the landlord won't let the people in the cops into the basement or right. they can't get a hold of them. Uh, the people upstairs sell weed. Oh, so yeah. the cops are walking up the stairs and they see a stop sign and they're like, oh, cool. We got these guys. They knock on the door and the weed dealers are like, yeah, go in the basement. I don't care. Get the fuck out of here. Whatever. So all these cops go in the basement and I don't know somebody. I think it was Paul Henry. I don't know what band he plays in now, but I'd, I'd shout at them out if I did. Um, I think he like put like a board over the shit or something yeah. he, he did the most half-assed attempt at hiding this stuff it was like it was oh my god it was like fucking jack tripper trying to like hide himself <laughs> from the fucking uh from jack the landlord wow somehow these cops managed to go downstairs and not find a single thing they were looking for they walk back upstairs they're like okay cool have a good night and then 30 cops march out without arresting anybody <laughs> And I look at my brass knuckles are still like under there. Like, nice. Yeah. Yo, I'm, yo, Albany Police Department. Like, you're really not very good at your job, man. Like, this is really, really not great. Um, yeah, that was my, that was my drop dead basement story. But that, that, 
that was the kind of shit like you're just you were always dodging this invasion of like idiots you went to high school with with like fucking like uh high and tight haircuts that were just Mm. coming to shut you down it was very weird so so like fast forward a few years because you got the the first bands you both did that I knew of, I didn't know you guys at the time, but I, I knew who Burning Bridges was. Mm-hmm. Very and famous. I, I knew everybody. I knew who Police Line was. And, Less famous. And owned the seven inches Ooh, because they were hard to get. Like right. Police Line was a thing because it was hard to get the one record. Like yes. one of the records was really. Oh hard yeah, to get. that Pusshead record is very hard to find. Yeah, right. <laughs> Despite the fact that all of it is available other places. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. But so so when you aren't in end of year for a while, but what what leads you to start end of year? Oh well. I after Lucas, I moved to Louisville, Kentucky, for like six months, and in that time, uh, I it was sort of like a head cleaning exercise, and then I moved back. But I gathered a lot of like music knowledge when I was there, and it was really cool to live in a different scene, like a scene that was established. And like, oh, it's like this is what Com- yo, like comparable size place to Albany, maybe maybe yeah. Louisville's even a little smaller than Albany, right? And it's a little but, more spread out, but it's pretty. Basically but hardcore this, scene probably as big. It's maybe like bigger. the same thirty people. Yeah, but right, they've right. known each other since high school, right? And they're all very tight knit. And I actually ended up befriending Rob Pennington from Endpoint, mm-hmm. and uh, I know I dropped something there, but he actually ended up being I'll a friend of mine. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, he ended up being a friend of mine, yeah. and um, and it was like cool to like just like it's like a regular guy, and then I realized that like. You know, like, uh, it made me realize that, like, these people aren't famous. Right. Just because you, you wrote in a time of hate uh, doesn't mean, yeah, like, he, much. You might I, still work at the gas station. Right. I went with him and he bought, like, a, like a Honda. And, like, <laughs> like, he had, like, it's a and, shame you didn't take the Jay Mascus photo with him. <laughs> right. Exactly. But it was, like, you know, and it was just, like, a, it was a very odd. Someone draw that scene for us, please. I know. Right. God <laughs> almighty, Hans please. and Rob, Rob Pennington going to buy a Honda. It was great. And, um... I, I befriended um, oh god what's his name he worked for Initial Records and the thing is like like yeah. blo- mind blowing like going to Initial Records yeah thinking and what Initial because Initial Records was one of the, the big boys shit yeah, yeah. it was, yeah. It was great. Uh, this guy Ryan Patterson I mm-hmm. mean I wouldn't say that I was great friends with him but I, I knew I it was like I hung out with him I talked to him sure I worked at a health food store where like a lot of hardcore people worked and I sort of like Got like the social graces of how to be like a hardcore person, like down, you yeah. know, in a real scene. So then I could come back to Albany and sort of apply that, which sounds ridiculous, but it's true. In being in a hardcore scene, you have to like know like what who to talk to. You how alluded to, talk to it, to the hierarchies and different things. There's, There's weird social absolutely. structures, the super weird and social it's, structures. It's all sort of fucked up and backwards. But it also is very real, and yeah. I, everybody who's listening to this, if you're if you're certainly too young, maybe you don't feel it. But I I, I hope you don't ever feel it. But it, it's a real thing, oh, definitely. And if you want to level up in like any type of scene, you have to talk to people a certain way. It's just like it's just like trying to get a job or anything else. It's like you have to know who's asked to kiss and how to do it, and but also be friends with them and never acknowledge it. It's very strange. <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird. Yeah. But uh, then I came back and I was like ready to go on a, with a band. And I didn't even know what type of band I wanted to do. I just know I wanted to do live music because I saw amazing, like actually important, like live music playing every night. Because Louisville is a super, super music scene. And what was some of the stuff that you like were struck by while you were there? Like Black Widows, um, mm-hmm. Automatic, yeah, bands like that. But there was also a bunch of like local bands that were just as good as them. Yeah. And they didn't have like royalty in them but they were just super good and so i don't even remember the names of the bands at this point neither do they probably but 
it was super super good and there were a bunch of record stores and just like people yeah. it was just a different vibe and i was like this is what albany could be like if people like you know got it together yeah, a little yeah, bit. yeah, yeah. just like, a little push or like looked past the city limits at some point because yeah. albany has been always been very local and I think that's what kind of influenced Center of Year when we first started is that we didn't want to be local. Yeah. Like our dream, or we wanted to play out of town as soon as possible. And, um, but before that, I was in a band called Burning Bridges, which was like, like very, like, it was like very metallic hardcore. Yeah. And I was a singer. Yeah. Like I, I, I can't believe it. And it wasn't a straight edge band, but I would X up. And I had the Coca-Cola font straight edge hoodie. Very, that, I think that's a step up from the Thrasher one. It was, yeah. definitely. And I have some pictures, and I have the camo shorts and everything. And the people, for the most part, were friends. And there was always, like, a little... There was always... People had kind of petty fiefdoms going um, that were... I purposely get, left myself out of that because it was just... It was so low stakes. You know, like... <laughs> it was, like, not like Louisville at all. It was just so low stakes. Like, and... So... It was fun. We would play certain places, and we'd always have a rental van, which oh, was like a, yeah. a major step up. You know, I'm not used to that. And um, but we recorded two records, and at the end of the second record, it all fell apart very quickly because I've never liked the tra- thought, the violent trappings of hardcore, like ever, like right? Ever, ever, ever. I thought it was always thought it was very dumb. Because first of all, like, if, like lyrics where you're talking about beating people up, like nobody cares about you that much. No. So like, like nobody wants to beat you. I'm so stop talking about defending yourself. Like, who cares? And also, um, the two two members of the band actually got in a physical fight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember this strong pivot. All right, let's and, do that. Yeah. So two members of the band actually got in a physical. <laughs> all right. Was, let, uh, would a fight be the right word for this? I feel like this was very one sided. Well, I was there. Okay. okay. So thank you. Uh, I was there, and it still it still haunts me to this day. No, it was um, a member of the band and another member of the band punched each other. Which yeah. I thought was very lame, and I was already dis- I was already very cashed out with like the band and like how I was expect as a singer, I was expected to like be on stage and be, and they come up with speeches. I always said that it was like, I became a very good actor. Like I became, I was like, I don't like summer stock theater when I'm like a very good, I'm playing a hardcore singer and I'm being, I'm doing very good at it, but I was, it was not in my heart at all. Right. Like I wasn't singing my own lyrics really. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of like a group effort, but it didn't go that well. And um, do you think that's ever acknowledged enough is the idea of how performative being a hardcore singer is? I don't think it's acknowledged enough because I think it's extremely performative. Like it's almost like pro wrestling. It's so uh, like, I I think like Ian McKay, that dude was in the drama uh, section of his high school. Right. And all of a sudden it makes sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you start to realize these things and, and pick up like, that dude's not lying. He's like, oh, yeah, there's the pictures of me holding uh, like a, a soda can when I'm singing. It's because I, I saw Keith Morris holding a can of beer, and I didn't know what to do with my hand. Right. Yep. So I <laughs> imitated that. So that's what... And sure. you start to realize like how much of this is mimicry, how much of this is, is performance. And I'm not... I'm saying, yeah, like we can be able to talk about that honestly, sure. because then all of a sudden you can separate like, oh, well, you know, Freddie Manball might like go sit at Starbucks sometimes and just chill. Yeah, he might just be like, okay. So now, I mean, I've also seen him bash sound men on the side of stage. So, no. like, that's real. But 
But like the, one the, of my favorite sound guy memories is Freddie Madball being fully unreasonable with me. <laughs> yeah, I think he's got that's there's there's probably like eight Madball songs about sound guys, so we yeah. just don't know it. Yep. Um, so, but but like yeah. that's 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 the part to me. Like when you're saying that, like it wasn't in your heart. I don't know how many. Like I think without that acknowledgement, it's it's a weird thing. It's it's meta and like fucking heady. But I I think that's real. I think that that. It should be fucking okay. It's okay sure. that you're going up and performing when you're getting on in, in front of a group of people. It's, I have it a thing what it with is. this. I fully believe you don't have to like wrestling. You don't have to like hardcore. You don't like anything. You have to nego- to be able to negotiate life in 2020. You have to understand how kayfabe works. It's yes. so yeah. important understanding life right now because yeah. everybody's just dick deep into it and they don't even know it half the right. time. Oh yeah, very important to know. So yeah, if you if you if you're unfamiliar with this term, pause this and go do some research. Yeah, if you if you post uh, if you take five pictures to choose from before you post it on the internet, yeah, uh, you, you're you're participating. You're in it. You're in, in, life deep in it right Yeah. There. So so we're good. So all right. So burning bridges. You're singing. Dude's getting a fight. Yeah, dude's gonna fight. And I quit that day. Yeah. I say, you know what? I'm not into this anymore. But I had also had the first practice at the end of the year, and it was at Max Tracks. And oh, we yeah. we wrote like it was a, like nothing I had ever experienced before because we had wrote four songs that day that oh, ended wow. up being the warm demo. We didn't throw any songs away. We never did. And it was like this is such a. I mean, to use the entire term, it was like a. It was like somebody opened the window. It was a breath of fresh air because I had been in that like weird like like grind like grind of like you know a hardcore band two years in we're not getting like we're not getting attention from anybody we should probably break up like you guys weren't playing out of state a lot you got a couple shows here and there but it wasn't clicking you weren't getting you weren't getting the cool dude show off no we were definitely not and we were trying (laughs) we definitely tried uh but we didn't and it was the writing was sort of on the wall but we kept going and we sort of go went got into like a weird like message board hardcore like corner yeah. which was not very good at all and we just like there was it, a decade of that and it trapped a lot of yeah bands. because yeah. that label you were on uh thorpe yeah Records. thorpe that yeah. was one of those things where like that dude put out some legitimately good things sure and as a result of that when he would put out things that didn't resonate as well people kind of like they 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 rattled on it just to rattle on it because you were new on the internet you needed to make noise yeah. and kind of yeah. like make a name for so it was just like you couldn't tell the wheat from the chaff for it's a almost, while. that it was, was almost yeah. worse than getting no attention yeah it was a very strange time and yeah. thorpe the dude who owned thorpe uh ran lumberjack distribution mm-hmm. and that was a big deal up until the day it went out of business yep. and stiffed everyone on money oh yeah oh uh, yeah uh, that's a whole other thing. So, anyways, you're done. But this is a breath of fresh air. Breath of fresh air. And I would love playing guitar. And I had this guitar for years. I never really played it. And it was just like, it was it. And then I remember we, it was the night that, um, well, there had been like, because uh, I mean, we're fine now with the, the, I was like, I would get a lot of downward pressure from like members of the band of like, what well, you got to, you got to choose what band you want to be in because we started. <laughs> Which is like crazy. It's like the fucking outsiders. somebody out there is hearing this and saying, "Yeah, because you, yeah. who's burning bridges and who's end of year at that point?" Yeah, exactly. Like it was so the stakes were so like fucking buried low, like so bad. But we would get shows all the time. Like we when we started playing, we took a show like a week after we got together, or like a month after we got together, or something like really short. 
and we started getting because we're a new band and a, and a scene that is starved for any type of new stuff yeah and this the, the the complexion of the scene was changing as far as people getting into like like get up kids yeah and like braid and shit like that so we were like we fell kind of like right into that a little bit but um patrick was from the from the get-go was an extremely compelling singer and still is and it was nice to be in a band with people who would talk yeah and not about music yeah. just like talk and like joke around and it was a good time and we yeah. clicked instantly and it we were all really good too yeah which was like was like so like we when we when we played it was just very like i didn't know eric at all and we just played and it was a very 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 automatic and very good and you just knew i just knew we had to write it out and it was 100 percent different and i didn't have to sing anymore yeah and, <laughs> and you got to perform but you had a guitar it was a different thing yep. different yes. rhythm yep. yeah i had something to pay attention to yeah the singing was like i remember being into playing a show in syracuse and doing like a speech because everybody had to do a speech and it was like, you know, the people across the street at that <laughs> restaurant, I swear to God, this is like verbatim, the people across the street at that fucking restaurant, they don't know what we're doing in here, but we do, like really yeah, bad, yeah, like yeah. really bad. And I remember getting like, like taken aside after and been like, you got to work on your speech. Oh my Ooh. God. <laughs> Oof, oh no. I was like, what? So I was like, I was like, how? Like, <laughs> That's a fun to think about the dynamic shift of being someone. If you're a player in a band, mm. you can focus on your instrument, what you're doing, maybe how your interplay is going. Sure. If you're the singer, yeah, you can focus on interplay, maybe a little bit, but not really. What you're focusing on is other people, sure. the people yeah, watching 100%. your band, and how how singularly different that is, and why it's like axe grind. I think a lot of people get that because Tom Singer, Patrick Singer, yeah. And they feel like their perspective so different than when you talk to people who are like playing in the band. And we get that because a lot of times it'll be like, yo, we played a great show. And Singer will be like, are you fucking kidding? Nobody, <laughs> nobody knows our songs. Fuck you guys. I don't care that we sounded good. You yeah, know? Exactly. It's totally different. And it, we never really had that though. It was always like, well, we would always be like, that was really good. And like, I don't think Patrick would have a big credit to Patrick is that uh, a frontman I know, he's one of the few that like, Oh, people! Oh, people knew of the songs. Weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very odd to know that. No, it was. I mean, even in like, I remember the one time. Well, I guess we could talk about it later. But it was when we started. It was immediate that it was something. Not only was was good outside of anybody's opinion, it was just good. And we made it a point to not play Albany as much as we want. Like we wouldn't play Albany hardly at all. Yeah, no, that's true. Like we would always try and and try to play out of town, and we would drive to like Delaware and play and drive back. Yeah, yeah. Like do all of like the weekend dudes. warrior shit. Yeah, weekend warrior shit. Even like like Sunday warrior shit, and drive back. And I remember driving back, not going to sleep and going to school the next day because I was in college, and it just like started building and building and building, and then we um we eventually got really good. Yeah. So. What was your awareness of end of year at that point? Like early era? Because you weren't um, in the band. When you joined the band, like 2006? Yeah. I think. Yeah. So okay. Summer of 05. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I didn't see the first show. Got the demo. I think I saw every local show after oh. that. If I, Including the one where Patrick wasn't there and you guys played instrumental. We did. Which was, yeah, it was fun. Um, I don't know why he couldn't show up, but he didn't show up. I don't, I don't know. Who, who the fuck knows? Yeah. But, uh, and I, yeah, I thought it was really good. It was, I, there's actually, I've told this story before, and there's no way to make this 
not be very self-aggrandizing. So, you know, sorry in advance. But there was uh, the three of us worked together at EVR mm. uh, in the print shop. And so we like even before I was in the band, we were all like fairly like tight, or at least as tight as you are, like yeah. as, with people like that. Sure. I, I kind of uh, I, I, if you work at a screen printing shop with people, you especially in a time before now. I know people who work at screen printing shops now, where some of them are allowed to just wear headphones and they just don't talk to yeah. each other, which is really weird. <laughs> so seems, strange. Seems You're missing out on a, a, a quilt of life that you yeah. really it's, should experience. But, but like me and the people I worked at a screen printing shop with for three years. We we became so intimately familiar with each other. It was it, it was way different than any long term relationship yeah. I've ever had. Justin oh, yeah. Loudon worked there. I got so excited to see he accepted <laughs> yeah. my friend request. Yeah, uh, but me and so, Patrick wow. worked legitimately. We worked the same job, so it was just me and him next to each other for eight hours a day, which is like a bit of a grind if you're like a, a quiet person like I am. Um, but he, we had some kind of conversation where I basically. I helped fuck up his relationship and mm-hmm. his, his uh, not really. I was just talking about how I'd had a threesome and I mm, yeah. set him off on a, a thing. A journey. Uh, yeah, exactly. As, as that would do. Anyway, long story short, breaks up with this girl. Uh, and then there's a show. I think it was that night or the night after or something. And uh, he was in a state. He's like watching her like talk to some other dude and like getting oh. worked up. Oh, yeah. Funny to think about in retrospect because now it's just like whatever. whatever. But yeah. uh, and love. it was like a Halloween show, so there's a bunch of decorations and everything. End oh, of a year plays, oh, fuck. and Patrick tears down all the de- like loses his mind. Yeah. Which it was like a really fascinating. I've only seen him stressed out twice. Yeah, and it's a fascinating experience. Really weird experience. Uh, really, really bizarre. Weird, yeah. uh, I wish I saved the voicemail when he called and and to tell me that you and Sean Duty both quit on the same night. <laughs> That was, a, that was a wild. We scene. don't have to relive it. Yeah, it's, it's what it is. It. I'm, gonna but, out, uh, I'm gonna jump out, the, jump out the window. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm watching the show, and it was it was a great set. It was really sure. good. And my boss from the bar I worked at, he and I have seen, I cannot count how many hundreds of bands together, because we worked at a live music venue, sure. two floors. So yeah. you're seeing like fucking ten bands a night on a weekend. Uh, came over during it and was like, honestly. This is probably what it was like to see Nirvana before they were Nirvana. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's like, so a high praise. And yeah. This is a dude who holds Nirvana in high praise. So that, sure. that was like, that was the kind of thing you would go and see. It was like something where it felt exceptional to whatever else you were seeing. Sure. Right. So it was a pretty fascinating Well, an end of the year time. never was a, like, oh, kids are going to mosh band. Never. No. Never. But it was, was especially it, not in Albany. And freaking mm-hmm. people were not feeling it. Right. So, so. To be able, and I mean, that's one of the pieces to me about hardcore is that there's bands that can incite a reaction, and then there's bands that put on a show themselves. Yeah, and, and sometimes those two things collide. Sure, and many times they do not. So, yeah. so any of your role in whatever, but traction wasn't there. Local, no. you know, no, right? I mean, internally, everyone yeah. was just. But you enjoy it, but you yeah. enjoyed it, which is such a different thing. Yeah. Absolutely, than, than we didn't else. care at all. We just liked. We just loved playing. And just, at that I, point, it's you, Mike, Pat, Eric. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't Dave Zeidman, yeah, Dave, and then uh, um, uh, Hegner, Steve Hegner, Steve Hegner, who was a, a friend of Eric's, yeah. and he he was the, actually the first to first to leave the tour because he went to Minneapolis and oh. we got pizza and he checked his bank balance and then he said I can't do this anymore. <laughs> 
it is a hard swallow when you check your bank balance and you're yeah. on the road and you're like, oh no. You know, if, yeah. if you've never borrowed a hundred bucks from your girlfriend when you're on the road, you have not <laughs> actually toured. And it's a fucking sobering feeling. If you've never come home and had to borrow money from your mom or dad and you're over the age of 20. Yeah. And oh my like, God. Yeah, that's a rough moment. That's fucking awful. A. Uh, so what, what, what were you, you know, like you're doing end of year. Hmm. What's your relationship with hardcore through that point? It was like, um, like a estranged. Yeah. Although Burning Bridges did a reunion show at a skate park, and I had long, really long hair at the time, and I had like disappeared from the scene completely. So people made up a lot of different rumors about me being in like into drugs now. Gossip <laughs> rumors, like fucking lies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I really wasn't. I just it was a nicer thing to not be into it than to be into it because of what we talked about with all of the like. I have to call this person once a week because the if i don't they're gonna think i hate them or i have to say hi to them a certain way and then next time i see them at a show it's gonna be weird and then we're right. not gonna be tight anymore and i'm not gonna be able to hang out and talk to those guys exactly and, and unbeknownst to me he's talking to the same girl from new jersey i'm talking to Ooh, yeah uh-oh but also like i the fact that i don't care and haven't talked to him about it is disrespectful and i don't know why yeah that kind of it was just very like lots of slights, inse- like the the like the boiling insecurity of like a lot of hardcore people who like all culminated at once, and I was just like, I'm okay, I'm I'm really good. I moved to a different town, lived with Eric Booster, who's a great drummer, the best drummer I ever played with. Uh, yeah, he's unbelievable. He's the best. He's just the best dude. And so I just lived there and continued on, like never the like. Like I nevertheless I persisted yeah. kind of thing, you know like I was just and then it was just like I every so often I go to a show and be like oh, boy, no good right like it was just and it was getting like progressively like like there was like classic Albany like five years after the fact so suddenly everybody's in the youth crew and we're doing mm-hmm. youth crew now mm-hmm. and like that kind of thing and it was just became very very like it was the perfect time for end of year because we became very like very contrite and very like not like aggressively not good like the musically and like it became very like like that band never surrender do you remember yeah that? Yep. Oh, yeah yeah poor cells uh yeah. failed attempt at a band that was yeah. a glamour project there's no way around it was that. very that's, that's yeah, what that project that's right. just, yeah. you know that's around mean, the time then yeah. that's yep. around the time that that happened and that because poor cell lived like right near albany yes and it, every I remember when dudes like who were playing with them went to the practice like I can't believe the Porcel wants me to play. It was like asking, it was like if, they're acting like Jimmy Page asked them to fucking play. <laughs> it was really, really, really right. weird. And uh, I know I'm messing up my timelines here, but and then they played like Monster Fest in Burlington, and like nobody cared, like right. nobody cared. And then they played um, Fed Up, Judge song, yeah, and then. That's where they got like the cover shots, and like you were saying with Rick Live, yep. that's where they got their shots. And but other than that, it was like they were definitely a food band, like from the get go, and it was not even close. And that was sort of like the stuff that was happening, like in the coattails of that. That was yeah. sort of the stuff that was happening in Albany at the time. These weird failed attempts at whatever, yeah. and it's just not. And and you guys were apart from that. What when you're thinking about this stuff, like you're distancing because a lot of that stuff's pushing you away and you're mm-hmm. doing this band that you're actually getting a lot of enjoyment out of. Sure. Do you remember any records where you're like, yo, I, I, I was easing out of active hardcore duty in the scene or whatever, mm-hmm. but there was still a record that you were really with or like, like a, the last hardcore record that you were like all in on? 
it had to be god um god i know i know that there are there were definitely yeah like sure. i know there were and i still listen to hardcore but yeah like bands like sworn in okay like fast bands yeah I sure, liked, sure but they were fast they were like real fast bands yeah, yeah yeah like not like not very contrived or like it was like or like um some of the gloom record stuff i liked because i like I, I liked i had like a simpatico with nate for a while sure like, who's we were friends and i liked his stuff a lot and um like like over the top stuff like drop dead stuff yeah like that or like yeah, but it wasn't like I didn't have that. I didn't have like I wasn't plugged in anymore. Right. Like and I knew it, so I had I could just for the first time I could just I really had the choice to listen to whatever I wanted or not. Right. And I wouldn't feel weird about because I would feel weird if I was like I don't like this, but how do I like I still I I feel like I have to listen to it. I, I always felt weird young, and I, I kind of I would tell dudes who were like the next steps younger than me, like. Hey, there's no reason you don't have to like. I, I liked classic rock, and I was like, yeah. yeah. I, I remember I was 17, and a 15 year old dude I was giving a ride to a show was in my car and was like, yeah. "What's this Jimi Hendrix CD?" I was like, "Oh yeah, it's just you know the I CD." Like I, yeah, and uh, talking to him, he was like, "Oh yeah, I had some of this stuff," and, I, and he's like, "I don't really listen." I was like, "Yo, if all you listen to is is hardcore, hmm. you're gonna burn out on it at well, some point, and they, you're gonna feel that." Oh yeah, and, and that's like uh, one of my big codas is this idea like. Don't don't just because you're not going to be pulling anything else and and you will just get burned on all of the other minutiae around it if you Definitely. just isolate it. And there were but there was like a time like especially like like creepers and like like pomade era like oh, 2005 yeah. shit like that <laughs> where but there was like a few mainstream artists that were okay like Morrissey, Johnny Cash, of course that kind of thing. they were okay they had the seal of approval from whoever. That's yeah. what I mean. There's no one like there was no prime minister of hardcore. No, but everybody acted like there was. Well, yeah, because there were certain things that were 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 bestowed. Yeah, like, were were knighted to be right. okay. Yeah, and like if you if I like went on stage with like I remember one show we played and I wore a Neil Young shirt mm. and it became people were just <laughs> it was in Massachusetts uh, and like we're playing. Or even when we played fucking Sonny Fury, and you wore you wore you wore cowboy. Oh boots. yeah, people hated people cowboy hated boots. Yeah. There were comments on that. I remember yep. it in, yeah. in real time. Yes, yep. correct. And like, okay, like where does that <laughs> even come from? Like, okay, all right, fine. I mean, yeah. I think it's it's the idea that uh, that militant um, adherence to the aesthetic right. is part of the gig, and. and yeah. You hit a certain age, and if you still think that way, I'm so sad. I don't know what the fuck <laughs> to so do sad. for you at that point. Yeah, it's very but strange. Hopefully, you hit the age and you go, oh, yeah, that's right. funny. Because you, know? you get it. If you're a 17 year old, like you said, you identify, like, oh, there's someone who's sort of dressed like me. Maybe we're the same. Yeah. Maybe they like things <laughs> right. that I like, and, and it's this weird identifier. I don't even know if that holds true now. I think it sort of does, but, you know. Mm. But. But if you're doing that at an advanced age, you gotta chill. I don't know. Buy some plain clothes and, and right, yeah, for chill. real. Everyone's wearing a jumpsuit. Calm yeah. down. Yeah. Um, but but you were kind of yeah. So you're 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 doing end of year. Andrew, yeah. what are you doing? Are you cashed on shit now, or you know, as this is moving? We're not gonna do full end of year timeline, but this is a nice way to get to yeah, yeah. the future. Uh, I think we could do it if you want. I just I, I, police line ended like 2003, which is shocking, honestly. 
I can't believe that. Mm, sounds right. Because I mean, I believe it because you're saying it. Because there there was a lost there was, record that every yeah. every copy's been lost, never came out. All the masters are gone. If anyone for some reason has yeah. it, let me know. Uh, a post nine eleven uh, police line record, which was Whoa. like yeah, trip out on that world. Um, but yeah, I don't think I was doing much of anything at that yeah. point. Like I was just working and trying to figure out like a post mohawk life am i correct to assume that police line never really you like did you play out of state you probably yeah, played we, western mass yeah we played like the city you know like, a little bit yeah like here and there i don't think we ever got further than like i don't know like buffalo or some yeah, shit i don't think you ever played jersey US even store. though there was people who were like oh police line yeah i don't think so yeah maybe um what what did musically were you doing anything you weren't doing anything. no i don't think so i can't which is kind of weird because you're you're a dude who, in my experience with you, you music's a big thing for you. Yeah, but I'll check out. I'll do okay. f- I'll do three four years not fucking around with anything. Okay. Even right now, I've got three records on this computer that should have been done months ago that I just fucking drag my feet on. Cause I could do that, or I could just fucking go to a cafe and read a book, and right. I'll, I'll, I'll vastly prefer doing that. So uh, <laughs> and so, you're in post Mohawk life. Are you are you? at all connected with what punk is doing other than on the local level you're working at evr which is a weird thing yeah so this was this was pomade era like you said and this was message board era and this is where Mm. i really checked out this is where i like i lost i lost the will to go to shows because it just everything felt like an inside joke yeah it's a fucking grotesque feeling so from two i moved i was i graduated high school in 2000 and i move out like January 2001, maybe somewhere in there, and didn't have internet. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I worked at a screen printing shop in New Jersey, wow. took the bus to work from New Brunswick, and took the bus, and was dating a woman who lived in New York City. So I was in New York all the time. I'd go to Generations every yeah. fucking day uh, and come back and just do that. And I had this cool routine. I cite that as probably the reason that I didn't get totally cashed and burnt out on shit because that era where, like, American Nightmare explodes. I had a lot of friends who were doing like the thrash course stuff, and some of that was really cool live. And a lot of the records weren't great, but but it was mm-hmm. a fun scene. And but I remember as people were telling me things about like the internet and all these things starting to come, like message boards, message boards. Yo, I would check the internet for like an hour after work, like check emails and yeah. and like try to order some shit or do something. But that was it. And I would go home. And I'd sit and play PlayStation and listen to records. Right, yeah. Like it, it and that enabled me to have sense. this fucking bubble <laughs> and not, not be destroyed by that shit. As you said that, it just occurred to me what I was doing, which is so fucking obvious. It didn't, it didn't strike me. I was doing live sound. You don't oh, ever right, want to listen yeah. to music when you're doing live sound for a fucking right. living. This was so, like Andrew's yeah. like night, like doing live sound, nightclub era. Andrew. Yeah, just like just going out. Shit. Fucking yeah, town yeah. out. Like just I don't want music. I don't want to be around music. I don't wanna whatever. I'd like and this is also when I started to like sleep with women fairly regularly, which is like a, a game a, changer. That's, yeah. a, that's a scary time. You know, that's yeah. So <laughs> uh, like, whoa, I know. I was like, whoa, the world whoa, whoa. moves fast when that's a hundred percent. It was like good. I can't believe it, but I'm, I'm here great. we are. Here we are, it's great. Um so yeah, so I was just kind of out of it. I got the call. Yeah, what what's the uh, the the every time I'm out, I, they pulled me back in. What's that moment? Uh, well, I I went to the dentist and I got like five cavities drilled. Oh, so you were so you were loopy and I'm like loopy. I can't talk. <laughs> yep. And I there's like a voicemail on my fucking 2005 cell phone, like flip phone. 
Yeah. And it's Patrick calling from San Diego being like, hey, we hate everyone in Albany but you. Do you want to play? Yes. And I was like, uh, yeah, sh- yeah. Yeah, sure. Blah, 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 blah. You know? That was, uh, yeah. No, that was uh, like DC. Is that right? I DC? mean, it doesn't matter. That no, doesn't but, make a difference. But it's, um, it's fine. I remember we were like bugging out because, like, you know, obviously we need a new baseball. And then we had one practice with you and it was, it was all set. Yeah, there was because yeah. there was a thing in Police Line where all I wanted to do was... Uh, humiliate everyone we played with. Oh, like yeah. I didn't care if we played well. I just wanted to be like the, the loudest or the fastest or the heaviest right. or like the most obnoxious. I just needed mm-hmm. to be the most. I needed a fucking trophy at the end of it for being like, well, that was weird. Yeah. Um. And we played, and I'm like, oh shit! All these guys, all they want to do is just be the best, and that's cool as yeah. fuck. Second and that's place, yeah. fun. Second so, place sucks. Second sucks. A hundred percent. Second so. sucks. That's, I think if you uh, don't have that attitude when you're doing this this kind of aggressive music in a live setting, what are you doing? Yeah, I re- yeah, I really don't get it. It was I mean there were a lot of times where it wasn't even, wasn't even close. Yeah, to this day I still when we like I'll set up a pedal steel and still be like I'm gonna blow you out of the water, motherfucker. <laughs> you know, just like I I yeah. just want to make sure that everyone else doesn't want to follow us. It's like a, a very important feeling. So, what was end of a year i mean and like advance this because end of year always had a weird relation to hardcore as a world world and a, a sound too right. because you're you're named end of a year after an embrace song okay. very very bad decision i really wish i was in for that conversation but you know i still didn't really conversation and it just oh. sort of went with it and, and honestly it's it's uh i think it's a roll off the tongue name when you say it over end of year it works it's not it's not it doesn't right. st- stiffen up but anyways um it and you would play shows, you'd play hardcore shows, oh, sure. and you'd play whatever, Yeah, but you weren't sonically, no. live reaction wasn't there. No, that's not always, we were like the, the still suit, like when like, right. they would play, like they would always play hardcore shows. We would play, like we would always be the weird band, mm. but we don't, we get like weird respect too. Like we would never, hardly ever get like, get shit. Well, because I think if you, one, you would go, you'd go off live, you were aggressive live, you'd play hard. Yeah. And Patrick had a unique and odd stage presence that was also going hard. And it was really endearing, too, which was different than, like, because there would always be, like, I mean, you could put the, all the singers of the bands that we played with in a lineup, and they, they couldn't tell them apart, like, yeah, a lot of the time. That's true. And then Patrick would be, like, he wouldn't have a shirt on, and he did have, like, <laughs> these jeans that didn't fit, and he would just be, like, not singing particularly well, but it, it made yeah. sense. Yeah. And it yeah. was really good. Yeah. And it it, it transcended, like... Like like all nor like the normal boxes like you right. just rip the page up you're like oh, this is just good yeah I think yeah. a lot of these places the context for what we were doing was like they walked into like an autobiography of Agna Moraine thing last summer <laughs> was and got scolded for talking to their friends yeah. during it so it was just like it it didn't it didn't compute with a lot of the places we played which was like weird because nobody was particularly into it but also fun because nobody was particularly hostile to it at a tent here we everyone was always, very hostile we but, were always yeah. memorable yeah well, well, like i i made this comment on a podcast talking about a, a band who kind of self-isolated and, and that never made meant they filled bigger and bigger rooms they didn't grow in the way that typical like oh this is a big hardcore band would right. uh despite the fact that people who really love them like they have a decent sized amount of people who are like this is my favorite band and i love them and they didn't have a huge amount of casual, like, oh, yeah, I kind of like that band. You know <laughs> what I mean? And I think End of Year is probably similar to that. What I think of is, you know, you mentioned Flipper before. 
Flipper, if you listen to fucking Flipper, yeah. I can, that doesn't sound like Black Flag. No, that doesn't sound like Circle Jerks. It no. doesn't sound like Bad Brains. I would like, kill myself when I listen to the first Flipper EP. It's just yeah. like, it's so dark. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, I sold Henry Rollins the uh, Flipper EP, the... Uh, there was an old woman who ate the cat. Oh, who nice. Ate the yeah. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I wrote a note with it. It was fucking wow. funny. Um, anyways, that that space is like, I'm not, end of year doesn't sound anything like Flip, Flipper, but that's the space that bands have existed in. This like weird Netherland where it's like, well, where else are we supposed to play? There's no scene for this. Yeah. yeah. Um, and something that, that, you know, I, I as Sound and Fury goes on, I'm, I'm not directly involved anymore. But when I, me and Todd and Riley did it, and as Riley does it now, end of year is the reason, <clears throat> the first year, we were, where it was like, here's this lineup. No. I'm like, no, I want this band to play. <laughs> One, I just signed them to Revelation, so please, I want them to play. Uh, the yeah. record is coming out like three days before or something like that, a week after. And, uh, and I was like, it's good for Hardcore Fest, a fucking 40-band show, to have a couple change of pace things definitely it's it's fucking vital and i think there's still hardcore shows and fest and etc that don't get that riley's applied that every year since that he's been a part of it because it's like yo shit like if you don't do this it's like eating fucking it, it's, it's my like theory. eating wings all the time right yes <laughs> yeah like yo you eat wings yeah. on a monday night that feels good but if you have the leftovers at tuesday at lunch it's not as good yeah. and then tuesday at dinner it's really not good and then wednesday you're looking at the wings and you want to shoot yourself in the fucking face yeah so, I remember feeling good that we were playing one of those big fests, and but it was I we were so disconnected from the politics that we could just go on and play, yeah. And we and like we didn't have to remember to thank somebody, and we didn't have to like you know what I mean, and we didn't have to do it. And then we just went on, we played, and we left, and people were like, well, "I what was that? That was good." I, I either vibed on it or I was like, "Like water, whatever, you know, yeah. whatever." But uh, you remembered it. Yeah, and and I mean, I think you guys and, and the band fucked up were the only bands who had that kind of attitude about it. Mm-hmm. So the, people, the band fucked up was there, and they were like, "Oh, this is neat. Okay, do you have a place where we can play cards?" Like, I was like <laughs> yeah, and they're like, "No." They're I like think they were like it's playing like not Pinochle, but something yeah. else equally weird. Yeah, they were like in a minivan from Canada. <laughs> yeah, and just like, like oh, okay. Those were the only people I spoke to the entire fest. Yeah. It was fucked up. That was it. This was yeah. ran onto the table, fucking high five everyone, and then like yeah. that. I had an honest to god meltdown. I'm like, we won't go yeah. into it. I've, I've talked about it many times on our podcast but i had a mental breakdown at that sound and fury and just sat in a hot van so like that yeah. was not a great day for me but um all in all interesting yeah. experience um so we, we don't get into the uh the fall but if you had to tell someone the end of year record to check out what would it be oh, wow i mean the end of a year record to check out for an uninitiated person who hasn't heard end of year. I still I I re-listened to uh You're Beneath Me not that long ago. It's great. Which mm-hmm. I mean, I just sat and fucking worked on that fucking record. Like it actually was just me and Hans. Yeah. Everyone else slowly dropped out oh, until yeah. finally the last like two weeks were the two of us sitting around the studio that we got for free, overthinking every fader move to like a ridiculous yeah. degree. Yeah. Um, but I listened back to it and I, I got very wistful. So mm. that'd be Super, the one, yeah, but I can't recommend one. it to people cause it's by a band called end of a year, which is an objectively terrible name. So when pe- when I meet new people and they're like, Oh, lo- what's something you've, uh, you've done. I can't recommend it. So I don't know. Sorry. Wow. It was really, yeah, it was, I think that's the great starting point. It was definitely our, our Zenith as that unit yeah. for sure. And um, that's that is the record I I 
hope later on in life when I'm very old and I look back like way too much as old yeah. men do is something that I'll, I'll reflect fondly on. Yeah, I, I have uh, obviously I have mixed feelings about that. <laughs> no, I, the, I don't. I regret one thing in my life, and that was that. It was like how fucked up my head was at that point. And yeah, I got better, and I have healed yes. thankfully. And it was like fucking up my life in other ways, other than like being a, like a doofy guitar player. Like it was actually fucking my life up, like financially, health wise, everything else. But it was just very like sad ending to like something great. And yeah, I've never really gotten over it. But what are you gonna do? Can you listen to sincerely? Yeah, sure. When's the last time you did? Been a minute. Um, I'd probably enjoy it. I have a lot of very fond memories. I saw got to record with Don Zantara. I saw Don Zantara as we speak is recording the Foo Fighters. So let that fucking <laughs> yeah. let that let that sink in. I think the the difference between sincerely, I think that probably you are beneath me is a more well constructed record sincerely is this really warm it's almost a glowing record there has this warmth to it which is really odd there's a point in sincerely where i actually hear the band i think of as like our band like like when we would go on tour and just fucking like tear it apart in the last song there it was not written at all we were just like trying to figure it out um and it just kind of drones on and drones on and drones mm-hmm. on. And it gets to a point where we run out of where we were supposed to end. And our old guitarist stops. And everyone else just keeps going. And it gets better and better and better until he comes back and in. And he's back in. And it's, it's just this moment where I'm just like, oh, that was that was the pass-fail right there. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, it's sad. We didn't all make it. you know. But yeah. it's just, that was the point where I remember vibing with... You and Eric Bruce and me like, okay, this is it, this is it, this is it. Yep. We found it, we got yeah. it, this is it, this boom, 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 boom. And then him dropping out. And by any, when you're paying for studio time, you stop when somebody stops yeah. because that's it. And we're just like, no, 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 this is, it, this, yeah. is it, this is it, this is it, this is it, this is it. And that's a fantastic moment. So yeah. I'm very happy that that got caught on tape. Yeah, that was great. I was, I mean, that whole weekend was like unbelievably cool. It was very cool. And like, time. not something that everybody gets to do, which I think is like the main, my main through line. The thing that kind of saves me from feeling too sad about what happened was like, nah, I got this guy because I go to Europe. I got, I mean, I got to do yeah. all this stuff that not every, like 99% of people don't get to do. No. It's amazing. I, we, the, the, when we went to Europe and like, we, after Sincerely came out and people were singing the lyrics back to us. Yeah. That's a weird scene. Incredible. We didn't, we, and we, at uh, first, like, <laughs> at first show in Europe, we were just like, on, like, it was unbelievable. Because too much I, bullshit talking. Too much bullshit talking. Yeah. So, like, uh, two things. One, uh, I believe, and if you're sincerely, is the only, and this is super dated because uh, who knows what Punk Planet is now. But oh, God. it's the only Revelation record that got a positive review in Punk Planet. Wow. Ever. Damn. Wow. Ever. I'll huh. take it. Two, and this was the biggest compliment I think I ever got about being doing what I did and da 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 was uh, one of the dudes in the other one of the other bands on Rev called me out of the blue. I was like, yo, this end of a year record, like this is this is like special. <laughs> like he's like he's like, You wow. heard the records before how did you know they were going to do this? And I was like, I didn't. <laughs> but 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 it, it was so we well, so, pulled it off. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um I'll take it. Let's pivot here. End of year. Cool band. Everybody check it out. Yeah. 
better name than people think of. No, it's not. It's really not. Well, here's my argument. Self-defense family is no better. I disagree wholeheartedly. That's okay. Self-defense family could potentially get one of us stabbed at the kidney. No, it won't. It potentially. It really won't. One old man in Texas who gets out of jail and is like, they're called what? And then just needs if to go band, back and die in there? No, but your band, I mean, it's if your band was named Freddy Got Fingered, it'd be worse, but that, it's just probably like, it could be called the Tom Green Show. <laughs> There's also, like the I think that any band name Love where you that. say it to somebody and they go, wait, what? Yeah. It's a good band name. That's good. That's great. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Well, with that. Um... Wrapping this up, give me a po- like give me two post punk records each that you would suggest to a average hardcore kid. Two post punk records. I don't even know what post punk is anymore. It's, it's like that's like Think modernism. Of it it's like a yeah. fucking term that just slapped on anything. Think of it in the more classical definition. Okay. Like okay, so you you're a big Gang of Four fan. Huge Gang of Four fan, and um, I think they're sort of lost on most hardcore people, which is weird. Definitely because they seem very like. Like people should be checking out entertainment, you know. Yeah, entertainment. Um, all of, uh, if you li- yeah listen to Gang of Four, all of their starting with entertainment and just kind of moving forward, all of their records are individually um, really good for different reasons. They don't, they never like made the same record twice, which is I, I love. And um, even their record Hard, which is the last record they put out, is sort of just that was their Hail Mary pass on EMI, just trying to be like Human League or like trying to have a hit and it didn't quite work, but. Mm. Super good. Um, also, there's a band called No Trend that I like a lot. And oh, there's an wow. album called uh, Too Many Humans, which is not available on any media other than YouTube. <laughs> um, but if uh, you look up No Trend, Too Many Humans, super, super good. Periphery DC band never was part of the political DC like Discord scene or whatever. They were just super, super good. Um, very noisy, very post-punky. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, I, I love. I have a special place in my heart for that band. Andrew, you got anything? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Um, you can pivot it and just make it two two records that you think. Well, people as far who as like hardcore should like. Yeah. I it's been years, but I just circled back around on Chameleons UK. Mm. That shit's really good. Like I, yeah. the, the songcraft is exceptional on that. It's something that Earth Crisis could really take a lesson from as far as transitions <laughs> and changes and, yeah. and and key changes and whatnot. Other than that, like in that same vibe, like I was always more into like that, like television, no wave and like yeah. kind of like heroin punky, like gun club and fucking X shit. So like, yeah, that doesn't really count, but that's more where my sensibilities sort of lied. So Give me one of the virtues of a late. Listen, listen to uh, the second Gun Club record, Miami. I think it's an exceptional record. I think it's uh, it's almost every song is perfect. Perfect. Let's close this episode. When is the last time Hans moshed, Andrew? Oh, set the scene. Okay, let the ambush begin. It's not the last time, but go for it. It was. He's guessing. He's creating, crafting. Oh, he's guessing. Okay, two thousand and nine. Okay. Earth Crisis just reunited and they're on tour with Walls of Jericho. <laughs> and me and Patrick go to the show and we go to pay and the bouncer is like, you know what, just go in. Yeah. And we're like, that's weird. Mm-hmm. And then we go in and we realize why because there's only 20 people there in a room that holds 500. In a room that you and I would later go to see Queensryche in. Um, Wonderful. And we're there, and like the house lights are up, and we're like, whoa, this is really not that great. 
and then out of nowhere, Hans stage dives and knocks over four women. And there's like a big to do, and the show is stopped. And uh, but it's it's okay. It's it's nobody. No fists were thrown at the end of it. Is wow. this true or false? I mean, I really wish that was true. <laughs> However, everything before you stage diving is an actual story. It's, uh, it's very sad. <laughs> yeah. Same show where apparently, as the legend goes, uh, Walls of Jericho had to drop off because their van was broken or somebody, maybe somebody died. Something oh, where they had, they had to go home. Jericho. Wow. And then yeah. they called the tour manager to say like, hey, all right, we're, we're good. Where should we meet you? And the tour manager said, hey, you know, what? honestly, don't bother. <laughs> like, I don't know if that's true or not, but that is a very dark story that rings very true. All right, what was, what was the actual last time you moshed? May 22nd, 2019. Uh, wow. DRI. Played, oh, my God. Oh, God, that's so good. Played oh. for free in Albany, and I went, and I moshed, and I got punched in the teeth, and it was really fun, and I took a lady home after. Oh, that's great. Yo. It was the best. Win-win. Win-win-win. It was really cool, and they all played, in like, played, played on really shitty borrowed gear, and it sounded so good. It was really cool. That's cool. I haven't. The last time I saw DRI was like 2003, and they were, and it was like, they played New York, they played the city, and, and they went on it like one on a Tuesday night. Yeah, they went on really late. And yeah. it was so good. It was so fucking, it was shitty. The rest of the bands were awful, like a weird yeah. mix of like bad New York, like Pompadours, fucking Pompadours, fucking Grease Punks, and then like Spiky Punk bands. Mm-hmm. And then DRI was. Awesome. Um, when people bring them up, I like to mistake and mistake them with DI on purpose, oh, yeah. and be like, "Oh yeah, what, gr- what good is grief to a god?" It's a really good record. Horse bites, dog cries. Um, the, the fourth, the fourth DILP tragedy again is one of the records I try to sell people on because I'm like, it has this weird brand of thrash metal punk that i can't come it's not like new york hardcore thrash metal it's not like venice it's a very confusing situation going on there for sure (laughs) um all right when was the last time andrew moshed set the scene you know this right i've definitely talked about this oh god oh yeah give me the best possible version oh yeah okay i'm gonna make up something something because he he made something up yes Uh, (laughs) okay hot water music oh my god 1999 (laughs) Mm mm-hmm uh, the first fest. Mm. No, no. Sorry, I got my dates confused. This was Burlington, Vermont. Okay. okay. Andrew bagged me for a ride mm. to Club 242. True. And they played in the big room because they're a big, big band. You know, big band. And um, Andrew moshed all night. And then I took him for pizza because then he told me that he lost his money on the floor. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, but then it turned out that he spent all of his money on No Idea merch. <laughs> It's true story. Of other true bands, story. other no idea bands. Yeah, that were they're like the weird periphery accessory bands. The like, stuff that couldn't quite hit Asian yeah. man, but like no ideas like all right, right like that. car seat headrest. I was convinced it was all very or the draft, like bands like that. <laughs> yeah. All right. What was what was the real last time you moshed? Um, I don't know the year, but it was before 2010 because I was still doing sound. Um, friends of mine did a discharge cover. Or cover show. Oh, wow. And I set the mics and then proceeded to barrel through kids half my age and and sing along to Discharge for 10 minutes and then go back and mix the rest of it. It was a lot of fun. The more I see. The more I see, the less less I believe. Why, 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 why? So good. (laughs) Really good. good. Uh, Go listen to Discharge. Everybody, thank you for joining us. Cool. Thanks, Bob.